everybody. You're listening to the Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 31, Captain Cook's Hawaiian Holiday. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our Thursday edition of the Big Chill Podcast. That's right. We've gone back-to-back days with episodes, so I hope everyone enjoyed our interview with Zealand the American specialist at football manager. It's good to see that Americans are just good at everything, I guess. They can take over weird English video games and dominate them. It doesn't matter. So that's always nice to see. Let's say hi to the boys. I'm not sure. First. With, with, what? With, all res- with all respect to Zealand, he's a great producer of football manager related content. I don't know if you could describe it that he's dominating the game. <laughs> well... He is dominating the game, Eddie. I can describe it that way. If only you would learn to be good at democracy. <laughs> if only to he could dominate. Yeah, seem to have fallen <laughs> short on that one at the moment. Yeah. He, him and the rest of the US is not good at election manager. <laughs> different different there is game, actually, no, result. there is a PC game. There is a PC game called Democracy where you do exactly <laughs> that. So I'd be interested to see how Americans fare. <laughs> Sam, speaking of democracy and politics, you guys have a nice holiday going on right now. Well, it's not a holiday. <laughs> well, some people consider it a holiday. What guy folks night? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not a it's also definitely some anarchists it's, considered a holiday. It, it, it's also, it's a celebration, but it's it's not like a national holiday. And equally, it's not it doesn't exactly lend itself to a COVID friendly regulations. So Probably, I mean, Sam will know better, but have you heard any fireworks today, Sam? Quite a few, actually. I can see them around because obviously people may have bought them like the day before or whatever to do their own thing. But for anyone that doesn't know, basically Guy Fawkes Night or Bonfire Night in the UK is when we celebrate the foiling of the gunpowder plot, which was a, a plot by Catholics to blow up Parliament, essentially. And it was foiled. So we celebrate it every year by burning an effigy of Guy Fawkes on a bonfire and setting off fireworks to imitate the explosion of Parliament, which I find a bit strange. <laughs> Why do they just blow up Parliament? I, I think it's actually an, <laughs> in, it, it, it's an interesting uh, reflection on the differences between America and the United Kingdom in many ways. Like the biggest celebration in the United States is the 4th of July, a celebration of fundamentally a success on the part of America. Whereas the biggest, kind of the biggest celebration in in England is the celebration of a British person failing at what they were attempting to do. Actually, it was a bunch of Irish people. (laughs) Guy Guy Fawkes was Irish? I think they were, but it was like an Irish Catholic plot. Um, Or at least the ringleaders were, I think like Thomas Catesby was one of them, was like the ringleader. But the problem for Britain is we don't have an Independence Day. Just everyone has one from us. Yeah. (laughs) There's, there's not an overly impressive amount to celebrate in this country in terms of like your nation's independence. Well, cause you're like, we could celebrate, you're, you're, we could celebrate like, something with Bodicea or something. <laughs> what, like kind of like, uh, I'm trying to think like Celtic day. Yeah. Something to do with defeating the Romans. You know, we could have something like that. But even for say, you have like your argument day, is... you have like the celebration of the, like oh, the Republic, true. but we have the queen's birthday and she has two of them 
I think Christmas is probably by a mile the most celebrated time in the UK. Yeah, because we all know Jesus Christ was British. <laughs> he looks it. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he sounded it as well. Je- Jesus, yeah. super British name. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, Sam, you guys have your Independence Day is like when when people always make the argument here where they're like, well, every day is white history month. It's like every day for you guys is Independence Day. <laughs> it's always good to watch people just slowly get away from Britain that little bit yeah. more every year, year on year. <laughs> yeah, Barbados is going to, um, it's, well, basically it's still going to be in the Commonwealth, but the Queen is going to stop being the head of state. It sounds like she meant I like it. how you it was actually the Bob. Yeah, it was actually the Beijing government. <laughs> yeah, obviously. You frame that as if she, she decided. She was like, no, you know what? I've had enough of Barbados. I'm done. <laughs> that is what happened. I, I don't understand how it's been reported anywhere else. But the Queen yeah. basically just decide which islands of random historical relevance at some point they were. And she either keeps them or she doesn't. It's like a roulette. Yeah, it's fair. But no, um, yeah. How many? What was your question, Frank? How many countries have independence days from the UK? I wonder. A lot, because there's a lot of islands. So, I mean. I would say at least 50. (laughs) That's amazing. Honestly, I would go for that just because there's what, like six, five or six just in the Caribbean alone. Well, here's the the, the question, though, is not all of them, even if they achieved independence, will necessarily have... Like the framing, it also depends what you mean, because like they'll have a national day, right? But are you are you framing that national day as them seeing it as like being liberated or achieving independence, or just the formation of their nation, which is not necessarily the name the same thing? Like the United States, very you've turned it into Independence Day, like it is very proudly like uh, celebrating your freedom, whereas freedom other from the alien might, attack. Yeah, exactly. Thank God for Will Smith. Like so, Canada so, and Australia, so just, I guess, wouldn't. Because Canada and Australia are independent, but they still And there's Canada Day, the but I don't... I, yeah, there's no, Canada there's, Day, but I don't think... I don't think Canadians think day. of that as... Really? They consider yeah. that like Independence Day? Or is kind that just of, yeah. you as an American, and that's your no, spin You're like, Canada Day, the day you defeated the British. No, they the kind of think British. of it as, as Independence Day. Like, it, you're right. It's not as much as the US where they wear like... So we've beaten, we've beaten the UK, whatever times thing, you know, like, wait, do you wear like t-shirts? Do you wear like Minutemen? Let's be clear. Hold on. Hold on, Sam. Let's be clear. This is a podcast that supports accuracy. Once. (laughs) What about 1812? We burned down the White House and then left. I think it was a success. (laughs) Yeah. But we actually, we actually ransacked Washington. (laughs) And, and to be perfectly clear, I think a lot of Americans right now would be very happy if we repeated our act of 1812 right about now. <laughs> so what I'm looking at here is it says, this is just a quick Google search. I don't know the validity, but it says 62 You know the validity. Based on what gained, you just said, you know the validity. Have gained independence from the UK. That doesn't sound very far off. That could be yeah, pretty I think 50, accurate. Yeah, 50 for like Independence Day celebrations is probably about right. Yeah, 62. And then it says France has 28. Losers. <laughs> Problem is, isn't there like 240 or countries? So that represents a quarter of the world that has gained yeah, independence from Britain. 
They said before 1914, the UK exercised authority over one fifth of the world's entire population. <laughs> what happened? What happened to this country? We used to be so good. I mean, it's glorious. It's a little bit misleading because that's mostly just like India, Pakistan, and Bangladesh, which would have just been <laughs> India at the time. But fundamentally, that was taking us. That's that's a fifth of the world's population in that single country. <laughs> so before we start. I have some updates on some stories. So the first one is the Vasilis story. We've gotten a little feedback about Vasilis's sex night story. And the funny thing is I forgot to mention on Tuesday, Eddie told that story on Thursday, right? Last yeah. Thursday. Vasilis then yes. called me up that night after he left Eddie's place from watching the Thursday night football game, which at his time must have been... 2 a.m. No, no, he 5 a.m. <laughs> oh, 5 a.m. Okay, even worse. So he left at 5 a.m. and decided to call me up and proceeded to talk to me for 45 minutes. During that time, I understood maybe 15 minutes of the conversation, and I <laughs> spoke for about three minutes of the conversation. We should also put for context for people who think that he was on a 45-minute walk home. He lives around a kilometer away from my house. So <laughs> he, he would have either done laps or he stood stationary for a while. So what he did update me on the sex story was we had speculated that Vasilis definitely made his money's worth from the food and the drink. However, I've come to find out that he really didn't eat anything because according to him, Everything was heavy gluten, and his stomach can't take the gluten. So unfortunately for Vasilis, he was not able to enjoy all of the glorious food at the sex party. Who would he have put that complaint to at the party? <laughs> I also love the context of someone attending a sex party, but being put off by the gluten. Like the, yeah. the insight into Vasilis's mind there. He's not afraid of just anonymous group sex, but he is a little bit scared of possibly there being some gluten and some finger food. And you have to imagine, I mean, the way you described it, he had described it, that, I mean, there's people just having sex in every room. So there more than likely was someone having sex like in the kitchen. And I can, I 100% can picture Vasilis two feet away from people having sex in the kitchen being like, do you know if this pizza is gluten-free crust or what, what are we looking at here? <laughs> just trying to like really awkwardly get around them as they're having oh, sex. No, like, oh, I just want to get to the snacks. Excuse me. Oh no, these are, these are quite heavy. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to back away. Do you have anything besides pretzels? Just like, <laughs> yeah, just like he'll just start like sort of rifling through the cupboards in the kitchen, just trying to find something that he felt comfortable to eat. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Like, Come on, guys. There's there's gluten in everything. Come on. Yeah, and then he went on about a 10, 15-minute rant about why he wouldn't eat gluten during the sex party because of gas and uncomfort. But I couldn't I couldn't really understand a lot of it. It was it was a little tough. The the other thing that he said that was that I wanted to clarify because it was so outrageous the first time we heard it, but this makes it even more outrageous. He clarified on the Scarlett Johansson attending Parisian sex parties. He told me that the person said, as Eddie had mentioned, it's about half the price 
to attend these parties within the city of Paris and that there are famous celebrities like Scarlett Johansson. And I said, there's no way Scarlett Johansson was at this party. And he said, no, 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 she was there. And get this, the guy said last time, she's really into girls and she had on a strap on and was <laughs> fucking another girl. <laughs> I mean, this is a revelation for a new husband, right? <laughs> this is, Vasilis is like that little kid. Like he's like someone at school who's like friend is just making something up and he's just like eating every word of it where he's like, Jimmy told me last summer he went to the moon and he's just like, Jimmy, Jimmy went to the moon, you know? <laughs> he's eating everything, Eddie, as long as there's not heavy gluten, these rumors. Like even yes. even or if there a person was person at a sex party, even if there was the remote possibility that that is something she's into, do you think she would be that public about it that someone like Vasilis would easily hear this rumor? <laughs> or maybe Frank, maybe she's operating. You know, we're playing checkers and she's playing chess here, because what she realizes is, if she goes to random cheap sex parties in Paris and just fucks people then they come out and they be like you will never believe it scarlett johansson was at the sex party i went to and everyone be like no fucking way you liar so it's just wow. the brilliant move yeah you're right that could be it why paris she does actually i will say City she of does love. live here like most of the she lives here most of the year this is true i do know this for a fact she lives right by the moose really no way really yeah, no, I do know this because I, we have a mutual friend, if you recall, Mona, who used to go to the Moose all the time. Yes. She worked at a clothing store that Scarlett Johansson used to buy almost all of her clothes from. Wow. Is that why we found that strap on next to the Moose that one time in, in the street? Do you think it was hers? <laughs> yeah, her We and could Eric. have sold it on eBay. <laughs> oh, Eric oh, got pegged sure. by Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> you know who's buying it as well. That's the problem. Oh, Eric's probably buying up all the Eric's buying up all the used strap-ons, just hoping they're hers. Oh, Eric, I really hope you're listening. We miss you. <laughs> please, please text us. I haven't heard from you in a while. Make sure you're okay. <laughs> I spoke to him recently, but okay, no. Good. The um, I, I, here's the thing. Just to finish up the Vasilis topic, so I did watch Thursday Night Football with Vasilis. Fascinating experience. The guy gets fundamentally nothing about football. This is in spite of the fact that I've probably at this stage watched at least 20 football games with him. I mean, he's watched the Super Bowl with me several times. Admittedly, he once fell asleep in a Super Bowl, which was at halftime of the Falcons Patriots Super Bowl. And he, <laughs> oh, woke, <laughs> he woke up as the, as Tom Brady was lifting the Lombardi trophy and he That's goes amazing. just literally he wakes up on the couch and he went Falcons won, right? <laughs> and then and then uh but we were watching the game and because because they use a possession marker as like a little football at one moment they switched. This was the first question he asked. He was like, why is it minus six? I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, why is it, why is one of the teams minus six? And I thought they were, I thought it was yardage at first. I was like, oh, they probably need six yards for a first down. Something like that. And then I looked and I was like, oh, that's the possession marker. But in his mind, it was reading like, I can't remember what the game was, but oh, Falcons, who are they playing? But he was reading it like Falcons minus six points and the other team 10. It was very, it was one of those things in a way that you're like, what you say actually makes sense, but I just would have never even considered it. Yeah. Oh, that is funny. So yeah, that's uh, 
be on the lookout if you're at an extremely cheap sex party in Paris. You may run into celebrities who are purposely going to these because no one would believe it. <laughs> oh, oh, I might have to go. I might have to start going just for research purposes, just to scoop <laughs> out great stories for the podcast. <laughs> well, or we just send Vass in because he's giving us great <laughs> stories anyway. Yeah. We'll do it like that podcast that was like Finding Richard Simmons. I'll just do like searching for Scarlet and it will just be, <laughs> be me attending Parisian sex parties in the hope of stumbling across across searching Scarlet. searching for Scar Joe. Yes. I, I can imagine you at some sort of like eyes wide shut party. <laughs> like doing that would research. be that would be bad though, because then I wouldn't be able to positively identify her. Yeah, you would. She'd be the one with the strap on. Yeah. <laughs> I'd look over and be like, that 300-pound man with a strap-on on is definitely ScarJo. Yeah. <laughs> you can eliminate half the field because according to Vasilis, she loves to put on a strap-on. <laughs> I, 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 I wish I could have watched this guy. I wish I could have watched this guy tell Vasilis the story. I wish I could have seen the A, the enthusiasm that the guy probably told the story with, and then just Vasilis just taking him all on board. Probably the guy being like, I cannot believe this guy is falling oh, for this. As he probably opened his mouth, said, like, hello, my name is blah blah blah, saw that look in Vasilis' eyes and thought, I can tell this guy anything. <laughs> yeah. And then probably Vasilis was like, Can I oh, can I sign up? Can I like I'll pay for if I give you 800 euros now, is that good for like 15 of your parties? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, sure. Hand it over. Yeah, I think there's some sort of like discount scheme going exactly, on. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. And then so the other update I have is from the most recent podcast, um, not the interview we had, but the on Tuesday podcast, we talked about Abe and our Halloween outfit. So I'll preface this by saying Abe is an interesting person because he he doesn't do what like a lot of other people do. Like, you know, everyone will watch Netflix and all these things and he'll sometimes like, oh, do you see this on Netflix? And he's like, no, no, not at all. It's like, you're, you're the only person in the world who hasn't watched this show. So I sent him the podcast and I said, hey, I think you're going to like the first 10 minutes of this. He then proceeded, didn't respond till the next day and said, Sorry, it took so long. I had to figure out how a podcast works and how to play it. And I was like, well, first off, all you do is just, like, I sent him the, the actual, you know, like the share, like Apple Podcast Share, and he has an Apple phone. Yeah. So all he had to do was push yes. it and it would have played automatically. <laughs> so that took him the day. So that's the first part. He then goes, oh, man, I'll never forget our Halloween. That was amazing. And I was, and I said, yeah, I know. Like, what what like what like what do you what do you think? And he goes, oh, it was great. So he goes, yeah. Um, he goes, my wife just told me that there's a Frankie D podcast that I have to start listening to. And I was like, wait, what? And he's like, yeah, yeah. I, I like. She said you guys started a podcast. And I was like, Abe, that was our podcast. <laughs> he's like, really? I had I I had no idea. Wait, did he had he legitimately listened to it though? <laughs> Yeah, I think so. So I don't know. So here's, here's the thing. I said, yeah, that was me and Eddie talking about our Halloween thing. And he goes, get out of here. So I one don't know if he was saying like he didn't recognize you or I think the more logical 
but crazy is that he didn't realize it was me and you and that it was another person with an extremely similar story about a group of friends who dressed up as the village people in Paris. In Paris. And, and had a friend named Abe who dressed up as a cowboy and raced someone from metro to metro the following morning. <laughs> My word. Is is Abe? Is Abe Joe Biden's campaign manager? Is this is this? No, is Abe this is Joe Biden. Here? Yeah. <laughs> so he then said it sounded really professional, and now he's going to go back and listen to all of them. Do you trust him with that? Based on what yeah. you've just heard, <laughs> that's I'm going to tell him he can cut probably the first few episodes out. Also, that's, that's a lot said. of that's a lot of content to catch up on. We're on episode 31 now. <laughs> We average like two hours listened. an episode. Yeah, he's got like Someone 60 hours. Someone who's never to a podcast ever. <laughs> you need two and a half days to catch up now of solid time of just listening to us three discuss things. Lucky like him, that. you know, like in a way I'm jealous because... You know, it's like when when you when you speak to someone who's like never watched The Wire, and you're like, "Oh, you're so lucky! You get to go back and watch it from the start, and you've never seen it." Abe's a lucky guy; he gets to listen to thirty episodes of us, having never heard them. That's like having never heard a podcast. Also true. <laughs> We're his first podcast. Yeah, I mean, we have popped his break, podcast break, cherry. It's gonna break in the it's cherry. gonna really it's gonna really affect his his views on the medium. As a whole, that's quite interesting. <laughs> yeah, he'll never think of a podcast in the same light. So yeah, those were my two updates on our previous stories that I thought were quite humorous. Nice. We, can see, we can see if we can get any more information either on Abe or on Vasilis this weekend. And I guess yes. as we mentioned previous podcasts and we mentioned Joe Biden there quickly, maybe we're saying um, in the end, because we did that comparison between, not to really break down the current situation. I mean, we're recording it on, Thursday. So as of yet, no conclusion to the election, although it looks likely that Biden will win. Well, wait, Nevada is putting in one ballot into the machine every five minutes. So at this rate, <laughs> Nevada will have results in 2031. <laughs> Perfect. I mean, that's probably the best solution because both of the candidates will likely be dead by then. Yeah. <laughs> if you've got but, something to do about it. Yeah. But I mean, we, we looked at the discrepancies between the polls and the odds and as it transpires actually the odds pretty much nailed it has to be said like the starting odds predicted a fairly close race they gave trump much a much higher chance of winning they pretty much nailed it on the number of states that would be won nailed it on the electoral college vote total that looks like the likely outcome so in the future if you're looking for your predictions as to how an election will go don't look at 538 look at 365. It turns out they're much more reliable. Gam Gambling is a good way of doing it. It's ultimately, they're going to have a lot of information from a lot of different sources and they're going to collate it for you, essentially. And they're going to present you an odd based on ample amounts of analysis and data. I think go with the odds. Yeah, hands down. Yeah, I mean, there was another there was another one like this too uh, during the Oscars. Oh, I can't remember what it was, but all the pundits had predicted it was a best actor award. I forget what, I forget. It was like one or two years ago. Uh, and everyone had predicted this person, but the odds were greatly different and were favoring another person. And everyone basically was Frank, saying, you know, like Frank, removing all names and details from this story. 
makes it a totally useless anecdote. Uh, you, might, you could have said anything. You could have said like the Kazakhstan election yeah. instead of the Oscars and it would have had the same <laughs> you were, effect. You, you were like, hey, one time this one thing happened and one person did this and another person did that and it turns out that person didn't do it. Crazy story, I know, but it's true. <laughs> well, I was just going to say because it was the Oscars and it's a thing that you would normally wouldn't think to gamble on. But there is obviously quite a significant market even for entertainment things like that, similar to politics. And the gambling website had predicted it completely right and everyone else had called it wrong. So I think it's it's exactly yeah. what Sam's saying is that no, they, no, I get, I you know, get they're what taking saying. in large amounts of information, even on things you wouldn't think that gambling would traditionally be reliable on. We spoke before the week before, right? I We talked about the amount of money that Betfair predicted to take on the election and how it was far in excess of what they take on the Super Bowl plus a number of other major events in a year combined. I read yesterday that as of yesterday morning, they had uh, taken over 400 million pounds in match bets on the on the election so far. And obviously you can still bet on the election as even as we speak. So that number will have increased, I'm sure. That's crazy. But then again, no, the uh, only issue with the gambling is that ultimately it's led by money as well. So if, if lines move, it can be because of large bets. And I remember seeing that in the, the when the UK had its Brexit referendum, because the owners of like Labrooks, before they were Labrooks Coral, but like the owners of Labrooks came out and they basically said, we're taking a ton of money on the Brexit result, but all the big bets are for remaining in the EU. Whereas all of the smaller money is for leaving. And the thing is, because obviously it's like one vote, one person, fundamentally, if there's lots of people betting on leave, then you would probably assume that they may vote leave. And the difference, like as far as a, a referendum goes, the same person that bets 100K and the same person that bets a fiver is still one vote either way. So that was quite interesting. That shouldn't it shouldn't, be. It shouldn't we, we have been as odds on as it, it was. Shouldn't be. We can all agree, right? It shouldn't be that way. That if you can bet that much more, your vote should count for more. What, do you, what, because you're rich, you should get more votes, basically. Rich or just reckless with your money. <laughs> One of two ways. I did see, I mean, there was someone who put a five million pound being... bet. Yeah, for a de being a degenerate. There, yeah. Someone put a five million pound bet on Trump to win. I did see that, which was the largest ever bet placed on an election in the United Kingdom. And you're, you are right, Sam, that's always the interesting thing, right, which Vegas often releases that information, which is the total amount of money exchanged on a, on a well, bet on a particular event, but they also will say the number of tickets. And then they say like the number of tickets for one side or another. And in many ways, that would have been more revealing to know about either Brexit or an election to not only know, hey, we've had 400 million pounds, 300 million on Biden, it would have been good to know, oh, 70% of the bets we're taking are on Biden or, yeah. you know, I'm plucking that number out of thin air, but. Yeah, and we talked about it in our chat that it was pretty interesting as the night went on, Trump had gotten down, at least on the site that I used, down to a one to eight favorite and Biden was basically a, a five to one underdog at one point in the night. And then by the time the following morning had happened, it kind of come back to almost evens. Which was, it, it was interesting to speak to you about it because the British bookmakers were always a little bit more optimistic about Biden's chances. When you were one to eight uh, on Trump, uh, Trump was like one to three in the UK. Yeah. 
that's all. Yeah, that's pretty interesting, actually. It's a good thing all that election cheating is going on with that 120k boon in Michigan or Wisconsin or wherever it is. <laughs> it's it's good that it's all going against Trump, right? Yeah. I had ten dollars on Michigan. God damn it. <laughs> We did warn people, right? Don't don't necessarily bet the state speaker because you were you might be facing a very long wait on your payout, and yeah. realistically, this this might be if you have bet Pennsylvania or Arizona, you might not be getting paid out until next year. I mean, legitimately, a bookmaker might insist that they will sit on that bet until someone actually takes office. It wouldn't stun me. Also, politics betting is a lot more stricter in its um, rules they're not going to give away many concessions. Like until someone places their hand on that Bible on top of like the thing, it's yeah, they won't pay out. And even then so, I doubt it if they, if they paid out until he was actually like sat down oh, you mean in it, the Oval Office. It won't be like the way that uh, Betfair or uh, uh, Patty Power has already paid out on Fulham to be relegated this year. It won't be like that. <laughs> Have they really? I didn't see Yeah, they, they paid out on them in September. I... I kind of think it's fair. <laughs> I think after I think they paid out. I think they paid out on them after four matches or something like that. I I was going thinking more when they pay out for like a first to the post, and if the horse gets disqualified, they still have will have paid out. And I was kind of thinking of like Trump when he declared victory on Friday night. It's like, well, Trump declared victory. He's first to the post. Give me my money. <laughs> first person to say they won gets yeah. the money. <laughs> first to the post. Paddy Power paid out on Fulham uh, on September 29th. So just over a month into the season. And that's a month also that I think included an international break. So really very little football was played at the moment. They, they, they just gave up on them. It must be depressing as a professional footballer and just be like, oh, dear. No, but of course there was that there was that issue in the past, right? There was that year they paid out on Arsenal to win the Premier League, and United came back and won, right? Yeah, that happened with bookmakers. They all paid out in February, and then ended up having to pay out twice. Yeah, and then Fulham did actually go and beat West Brom last time out. So, <laughs> you know, the comeback's on. It may it may egg on their face, but yeah, it seems much more much riskier to bet on a team to go down just because you don't need that good of a run of form. You know, if you have 10 matches where you suddenly turned it around post January, if you had a couple of good signings, it wouldn't be that incredible. Whereas obviously if you are a good team, like if you paid out on Liverpool to win the league last year in February, you could have said fundamentally that was safe. They were so far ahead and they were also playing so well. I wonder what they would have done with COVID if the season wasn't old. And they'd already paid out. That just would have been a bad loss for them, right? You do, yeah. You'd have to assume so. Yeah. Oh, that would have been a painful. Beat. But speaking of speaking then of predictions, speaking of bets, and speaking of losses, let's uh, hop on to the NFL and catch up on our statistics. After a week in which we took a little bit of a beating in our predictions, the positive is we all got over 50% of the games right when it came to predicting them straight up. But only Frank managed to stay, to not dip under 50% in picking them against the spread. And that's just because he went seven for seven. So. Oh, just because I went seven for seven. 
Well, I mean, it's not a huge difference. <laughs> you, you managed to go exactly 500. Um, so Where did you go? I went, I'm going to get there. Don't worry. So I went eight and six straight up, which takes my overall record to 82, 36 and one. I went five and nine against the spread. Ooh, Eddie, that's not good. Which means I dip under 500 for the first time this year to 58, 59 and two. Uh, Sam also went eight and six straight up, moving him to 74, 44 and one. And also went five and nine against the spread, moving him to 56, 61 and two. Uh, Frank, you went nine and five straight up, and you've gone to 73, 45 and one. And you went seven and seven against the spread, moving you to 57, 60 and two. So we are separated against the spread by only three games between the three of us, which is fairly impressive that we've basically ended up at almost identical records after eight weeks. Now, my my two over you, you both of you this week in the against the spread was that two specific games where I took a different one than you guys did? Uh, the, um, well, not no, exactly. You also we, took the Lions. Yeah, so you took the Lions, you lost there, but then Sam took the Panthers on Thursday night and lost there. I went, I took the... Uh, I the Giants. You guys both had the Bucks, right? Yeah, I know, but we, we, we kind of... There was a few games where we either gained or lost on each other. There were several games where we were all wrong. That has to be said. We were all yeah. wrong on the Rams. We were all wrong on the Packers. We were all wrong on the Titans. We were all wrong on the Chargers. We were all wrong on the Saints minus 4.5, which given the fact that they were up 10, they were up yeah. 10 with like three and a half minutes yeah. left is a little bit harsh, but fundamentally the, it is what it is. The Bills would have cost us on the spread as well, if I remember right, against the Patriots. Um. The Bills, yeah, the Bills didn't cover the spread. They the spread was four, and they won by three. So yeah, we had we had a couple games where we missed the spread by just a just a couple of points. But fundamentally, we also had some games where we missed the spread by quite a few points. In as is the case in the Titans, five out of my seven losses because I followed you losers. Wow. I mean, okay. Well, let's see if week nine's another. It's another week, right? Yeah, so you're, let's, still not, uh, you're still not winning the competition in either of the categories, Frank. So if you just yet, followed us losers, yet. you would actually technically be doing better. And and one of the people in here is sometimes a squid in other sports. <laughs> so. No, it's so a completely separate entity. <laughs> no, I said I said sometimes <laughs> a squid. <laughs> like it's almost like a kind of like Bruce Wayne, Batman He's kind half, of thing. Half man, half squid. That's an interesting question of you, Sam. Which half of you is a squid? Oh, I mean, it's got to be bottom half, right? Because otherwise I wouldn't have any sort of ability to speak on a podcast or it's got to be bottom half, bottom half squid. Wow. What are you thinking? What, Interesting. What, so you'd rather have like no ability? Oh, do I, do I as squid head still have the ability to like talk and... You could be a things. sentient. You could be like a. Well, I mean, squids are well, sentient. sentient. <laughs> you could be. Yeah. You could be a a, a squid with a human brain. Top half of you. I mean, either one is gross, right? It's it's like that question: Would you, if you had to have sex with a mermaid, do you want the top half to be a fish or the bottom half to be a fish? Um, it's clearly bottom half. Anyone who says top half is an absolute yeah. psycho. <laughs> 
<laughs> you can't cover up a fish head. On uh, if, you say top eye, if you say top eye, if you're basically saying, I want to have sex with a fish. Are you? Fundamentally, yes. You're, you're, you're getting the physical experience of, the, of a woman or a man, because we're not, we're not discriminating. Um, gender then, then it'll be, it would be a merman, yeah. dad. Merman, dad. Merman. <laughs> I don't know that reference. Wait, Zoolander. The, oh, okay. Okay. It's amazing. Well, a mermaid your, ability a... for your, your ability to recall very insignificant quotes from fairly insignificant movies compared to your inability to say remember what you had for breakfast yesterday. It's quite a quite Yeah, well, that's that's is that why you voted for is that why you voted is that why you voted for Joe Biden? It was the first time you've looked at a political candidate and been like, I can see a little bit of him of me and him. No, I voted for Bill Clinton. That that vacant look in his eyes, I can I can totally totally see that. Hey. He's your next president, Frank. Show him some respect. I was saying that. He's not my I president. Care. I know he said something. He's not he my president. To... I want to be clear. Yeah. He is not, not my president. Hashtag not in my name. Hashtag but not anyway, my yes. president. So, uh, Sam, you want to get us underway with our week nine picks? We get to start off as a Niners podcast. Yeah, firstly, I just want to congratulate Brady for taking the record on most touchdown passes. Oh, I know. Breaking news, guys. Breaking news. <laughs> Brady retook it. I mean, thrilling, just a thrilling, just two two titanic quarterbacks going head-to-head, you know, toe-to-toe, just exchanging blows. And and we're going to get to think how exciting it's going to be this weekend because they play each other. So drive for drive, they get to break news one after the other. Yeah. It's going to be amazing. Just this mess of a ticker on the bottom of it the is- screen as they're, like, writing text over the previous text. We spoke about this, right? The idea, do they come onto the field and celebrate? Like, are they going to gonna have like a pause every, after every touchdown? <laughs> like fireworks go off. They come on, carry, carry Brady off the field after one drive, carry Breeze off after the other drive. Just a stadium filled with smoke after a while. Game ends up taking nine and a half hours to be finished. All right. Thursday night game. Well, yeah, Friday morning, depending where you are. Hackers at the 49ers. We get straight into Niners Nation here. Eddie. Very sad Niners Nation, it has to be said. Um, I know Frank is going to, I know exactly what Frank is about to, about to say. But uh, Niners just crippled by injuries now. And also now COVID, yeah, positive COVID. COVID tests and things. To put it in context, context of like how much they're going to be missing, particularly offensive players, already the defensive players in Joey Bosa and a few others are already out. If you look back to the last time these two played each other, which was in the NFC championship game back in January when the Niners absolutely destroyed the Packers, I think nine offensive players for the Niners touched the ball over the course of that game. All nine of those players will not be playing in this game. And only one of them because he left the team in Matt Breda because he left the team at the end of last season. The remaining eight players are all out, either injured or because of COVID. And then in addition to that, they are also missing Ayuk, who's out because of uh, someone close to him has tested positive for COVID. So then the other offensive weapon that they would have added is also missing. And 
it seemingly it looks like um, Jordan Reed might play in this game. So that gives them someone to throw to. But uh, there's no way. I'm just going to say, there's no way the Niners win this game. The line has moved massively. I think it was like two and a half when it first came out. And then it's gone up to seven at the moment. So, yeah, um, yeah it's. I, I forgot to mention that the Packers um, are favorites by seven points. And yeah, I saw the kind of COVID stuff and the injury stuff. But also, just on a side note as well, the, the Vikings loss for the Packers was pretty bad. And I expect a good team to bounce back, as we always say. So... Coupled with that, I'm I'm going with Packers in the spread. It sounds like you're going 49ers, Eddie. Yeah, I mean, the Packers are also missing players for tonight, it has to be said. So in a way, I think this is, you said to take a good team bouncing back after a defeat. I'm not sure this is a good team in the Packers. That would be my, if you told me that if if I could reduce the number of Niners missing by 50% to play in this game, I actually would probably feel pretty confident about the Niners. What if one of them was Jimmy G? Yeah. Oh, Jimmy G by himself would lose it automatically. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, and here's the only thing I'm a little bit scared about: uh, when Mullins kind of burst onto the scene, and my memory might play tricks with me here. I think it was a Thursday night game against the Raiders, and Frank, you, I'm going to say this, and you're going to tell me how on earth am I going to possibly remember this? But I remember it was a Thursday night game. The Raiders were favorites. And then it was when the Niners were just awful when Jimmy G had had his injury and they didn't, the Niners just absolutely destroyed the Raiders. It included that like 75 yard touchdown from Kittle. Now that kind of, there's part of, there's this element here where I'm just a little bit scared of the team. That's going to be, there's suddenly going to be all these guys coming off the bench and from the practice squad and they're going to be making plays and you're going to get that like Thursday night announcers being like, Oh, this guy was stacking shelves a week ago and now he's scoring touchdowns and 30 in Thursday night football. You know, like I can kind of see those things coming, but fundamentally I think they're just totally, this is like a Niners D squad and not, not the double D's that we've referenced in the past. So I'm going to, uh, I'm going to take the Packers and the Packers to cover the spread. And I think I would take the Packers minus 10 in all honesty. Yeah. I mean, Eddie failed to also mention they've lost Quan Alexander, one of their best defense, one of their, their best linebacker who was traded to the uh, Saints. Third best linebacker. Okay. Right now he would probably be the starting QB at this point. <laughs> But the interesting thing, Aaron Rodgers, four and six against the Niners. So he does not even have a winning record against the Niners. But I cannot go against a even decent team after a loss against a team that's mediocre at best. So I will take the Packers and seven yeah i'll still take them i'll take the packers minus seven the interesting thing here is the over under is only 48 to me that seems really low considering i think mullins can actually put up 20 points when it's all said and done and that would mean that if they held the spread 27 28 20 i mean it's it's right there i but i think it's going to be 35 to 21 kind of game i think it's going to be way over 48 I will be taking the teaser of that over. So you're so confident in the 48 that you're going to tease it lower? Yeah. <laughs> great, great 
What a great approach. <laughs> I love the 48, but only if it's six points lower. <laughs> if only I could tease that to a lower value, then I'd be more sure. No, I'm saying I'm going to put it in my weekly teaser. I'm not saying I wouldn't take it straight up. If I had money in my betting account, I would take it straight up. But desperate times call for desperate measures. <laughs> All right. Next up is the Ravens at the Colts. So uh, Colts, uh, sorry, Ravens are one and a half point favorites. I want Frank to start this one out because in a way, this is this is a tough one for him. This is two teams he fundamentally hates every week. So let's see who he picks. What's the spread? 1.5. Uh, Ravens are favored, right? Yeah. Yeah, this is tough. So... I, I mean, I am always adamant that I do not think Lamar Jackson is a great throwing QB when he's faced a, a good defense. And here you have. I'll say this again. You frame this as if there's so many people a great throwing QB. Oh, We're going to go over we this again. Through this, yes, I pulled the first article I pulled up that said he's an elite throwing QB. From, from it took me it took ago. me seven seconds to pull it up from last year. From last seven, year, seven seconds is a pretty long time for a Google search. Well, I don't have great internet here because well, I'm but also stream. You, sh- oh, you oh, of all people to, should know about bad internet. You're trying to flex yeah, but also he's got friend. to open up Google. He's got to open up Google. No, I have to open up Yahoo. he's got to type it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Alta Vista. <laughs> I have to open up Yahoo, type in Google, and then search it on Google. Puts in, first, he puts in his uh, AOL online disc. He like puts, puts that in. And then here's that horrible 56K yeah. modem noise. The dial. Exactly. <laughs> what, what an impression. It's like, the, it's like we're there. Getting back to it. We, you know, we just mentioned the good team after a loss. I still think the Ravens are a good team. Um, you know, I just think they can't rely on Jackson to throw the ball. I think they should just let him be a great running QB that he is. They have a good defense. They were close to winning that game against the Steelers. I mean, they they had that drive at the end, right? They could have scored to win it. So it's not like it was a terrible loss against the Steelers. The only thing that scares me is the Phillip Rivers seems to be heating up a little bit. And maybe that's just right before he's going to die on the field. Maybe this is like his last hurrah and who knows, two weeks he could be dead on the field of, of old age. No, but- it's because... It's because he's he's entering entering into mating season. <laughs> so that scares me. Philip Rivers always scares me. I can never bet with him, and I can never bet against him because you never know what you're getting with Philip Rivers. I'm gonna go with the Ravens here. I think they'll bounce back. I think it's gonna be close, but one and a half is you kind of have to go Ravens, Ravens on that. Well, I'm gonna disagree with you. I think one thing. Lamar Jackson doesn't want is going against a good rush defense. The Steelers had a good one, lost. Colts have a better one. I mean, uh, they give away about three and a half yards a carry. Um, I think they've conceded like the least rushing yards in the NFL this season at about like 560. It's a bad, it's a bad matchup. It's a really bad matchup for the Ravens, in my opinion. And as much as Philip Rivers can kind of blow hot and cold, I'd rather take the Colts on defense against um the ravens so i'm taking the colts to win and to cover obviously i i'm a little bit torn i'm a little scared of the colts they do offensively they are heating up so i'm a little bit cautious about this one but 
I have to stick to my general rule. I think the Ravens are a good team and they did just lose. So I, I have to take them. The Hewitt rule has to be applied to this game. So I have to take oh, the Ravens. Oh, wait, today. wait. You invented this rule. You're the first person to have say take a D a good team after a <laughs> loss. Might be. I do not think you are. Might be. Prove me wrong. See if and you see if you can find someone else saying it in seven seconds on Google. Wait, now I've got to download like Bing first <laughs> to find Google. <laughs> Hold on, Internet Explorer is updating. <laughs> <laughs> it's asking me to download like Real Player Seven. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have QuickTime. Damn it! <laughs> just just call Abe and see if he can find it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next up, Panthers at the Chiefs, and Chiefs are ten and a half point favorites. Um, anyone going against the Chiefs here? I can't. I got to stop. I keep getting burned every every week. Almost, I keep saying like they're playing with their foot, you know, half down on the pedal, playing in third gear, whatever other analogy I want to use for how they're not taking opponents really seriously, but. I mean, I've, I've also disliked the Panthers all year. So fundamentally, I back myself into a corner here. I, I, for sure, obviously the Chiefs are winning, and I think they'll cover that spread. But I don't love it once it starts getting over ten points against a quite a decent team, like a decent defense in the Panthers. It's a little bit of a risk, but I think I've been wrong several weeks, three weeks, I think two weeks in a row now, just not backing the Chiefs to cover the spreads. So. Though. Fool me three times, shame on me. Yeah, I don't think I don't think the D- Panthers have like any sort of defense to stop Mahomes. It is one of those classic like, will the Chiefs just be bored of this? And the spread then looks a bit dodgy. Uh, I'm with you on that one, Eddie. But I can't, I can't not. So yeah, I'm taking the Chiefs to cover. Yeah, Christian McCaffrey might be back. Not that I think it's going to make a huge difference. The Chiefs have put up 26, 43, and 35 in their last three games. I think, to use Eddie's analogy, they've gone out of third gear and have bumped it up to at least fourth gear. So I think they can cover, no problem. I'll take them on both. Okay. What do you guys think of the Bears at the Titans? And the Titans are six-and-a-half-point favorites. This is a tough one for me. I watched both of these teams complete games in week eight they both looked terrible in different ways the titans defense looked absolutely awful the Bengals were able to move the ball with them at ease the bears on the other hand off just couldn't move the ball at all for most of that game until the very end so which one of these is going to be more incompetent the titans defense or the bears offense and i'm going to decide that it's going to be the bears offense so I'm going to take the Titans and I'm going to take them to cover the spread. I'm going to tell you now, they, the Titans don't fall this week into my the Hewitt, the Hewitt rule that's now famous and everyone knows as being attributed to me of the good team bouncing back after a win. So even though the Titans lost last week, I'm not going to actually apply that rule to them because I'm not entirely sure that they're a good team. They lost but, two in a row, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. So they, they the Hewitt rule applied to them last week and they showed that they do not qualify. But yeah, I'm I'm taking the taking the Titans still. Yeah, I will take the Titans to win. Um, I'm still not sure if they're a good team, but you know they played close against Pittsburgh. They came back pretty well, and they had excuses in that Bengals game. You, you know, like we talked about it, 
I almost thought they were going to win. And then they had that early interception and then the missed field goal after that. And that kind of just put them in a terrible trajectory. I'll take them to win. I don't see them covering though. I, I'm confident in them winning. I'm not confident in them in winning by a touchdown. You, you know, they haven't still haven't looked phenomenal like they were earlier on. So the Bears just continue to just screw me week after week. So I'm sure this will be another week. I don't know if I've ever gotten them right yet this year. So I'll take them to cover. Let's see what they can do this time. Sorry, you said not, a game, take- not, not a game I'm very interested in watching. You, so you're taking the Bears to cover? Yeah. Okay. I, I, I actually agree. I think, I think this one will be close. Um, the Titans look pretty well. They look bad against the Bengals, but um, the problem with the Bears is they've just got no offense to complement what is a pretty all right defense. And I just think that the Titans will win, but I think it will be closer. I just think the Bears' defense will keep it close against what is a pretty good Titans offense. Um, so I'll go Titans win, but I, I think the Bears will cover the spread. I, I like that you say this is a game you probably won't take much interest in, Frank, but. The reality is this is probably two playoff teams playing against each other, which is kind of depressing, but they'll probably both be playing in January. Do you think the Bears can make it? Yeah, because in a way that 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 division, which at first looked like a really strong one, now looks like a pretty weak one. They still have a pretty tough schedule left. They have Titans, Vikings, Packers, so they could lose their next three. That puts them to five and six. Then you have Lions, Texans. Maybe they win one that puts them to oh what, god, six you're and still seven. You're still, still defending the Texans. Oh, we've got them coming up, that would be fine. <laughs> and then Vikings, Jaguars, Packers. So lose two out of three there. So you're looking at them maybe winning realistically. Okay, let's say they beat the Lions, the Texans, and the Jaguars. They're looking at eight and eight. They'll probably win one of those other games, yeah, though, right? There's a solid amount of divisionals in there, and usually that can throw up. Some pretty different. They're not going to beat the Vikings and all. Well, okay. Well, well, yeah. I mean, look, I do agree with you. I, I mean, obviously, I've kind of got to keep, keep the cousins' IV flowing into my veins. So I am hopeful that I will live through January. But uh, I think there's a fairly solid chance that the Bears make the playoffs, even as a wild card, just because. Again, now the NFC looks a little bit easier because the Niners are completely out of playoff contention. Yeah, well, I'm just saying four out of their next nine games are the Vikings and the Packers. Oh, no, though, but then this will determine their fate, right? But there is a scenario in which they win three of those and suddenly they're absolutely certain to make the playoffs. Yeah, that scenario doesn't exist. (laughs) (laughs) Stopping as ever. All right. Um, Next up is the Broncos at the Falcons, and the Falcons are four point favorites. Um, For me, like, Seeing them overcome that, like 20, what was it, 21 or 20 point deficit against the Chargers, I, I kind of like that. I've never been a fan of the Falcons. The Falcons are a team that notoriously surrender leads from a good position. And I don't know, I, I think the, the Broncos defense is okay. It's kind of good enough, but I don't know. I just, there's sometimes where you just go with a gut and it keeps going against the Falcons and until last week it served me pretty well. So I think I'm going to go Broncos and cover on this one. I think we're going to see another Falcons meltdown. Yeah. I mean, it's really interesting, right? That the 
Broncos have somehow ended up playing back-to-back games against the two teams that are now famous for blowing huge leads. I mean, the Chargers and the Falcons are doing it professionally. And I mean, obviously professionally, literally, yeah. literally, literally looks like their goal is to dominate three quarters and then absolutely fall apart in the fourth. That being said, one interesting fact, when I was kind of trying to research this game, and maybe I've just somehow managed to avoid this fact, even though I read Pro Football Network fairly regularly, Pro F- Football Network, the guy who was writing about this game is called Ryan Gosling, which was, I mean, kind of interesting but uh at first i thought it was a joke (laughs) they like had a bit where they they like use famous actors names and pretend that they've decided to write a piece on a random nfl game but it turns out he's a legitimate pro football network uh like writer um so now wait here's a question do we get him on and pretend he's the actor ryan gosling or do we get the actor ryan gosling on and pretend he's the pro football focus writer oh we get we get the actor on and pretend that he is just some stat head football guy (laughs) don't you guys want to talk about la la land (laughs) no we want to talk about why the giants need to move on from daniel jones (laughs) (laughs) but the um i'm gonna take the falcons to win because I was actually reasonably impressed with them on in Thursday on Thursday night. I actually offensively they moved the ball really really well. They should have won that game more easily than they ended up doing it. They looked a far better team on Thursday. I don't think the Broncos are just that good. I'm a little bit torn because I think it'll be close. So the four points, I'm almost tempted to try and do the Frank and thread the needle on this one, but I'm going to take the Falcons to win and cover the spread. Yeah, this is another game i i do not trust the broncos i've said it every week i think drew lock is a terrible quarterback and his stats were great last week but those stats were largely because of a fourth quarter meltdown before that he looked atrocious as usual i mean when we're talking about drew lock can we also just address the fact that he did the absolute dorkiest dance after they scored i mean that was just the worst thing i've seen on a football field in years they asked him about that video i would ask you to do it but i never saw it i really want to know they asked him about it and he said the dance moves will definitely keep on coming okay then i like the falcons even more he deserves to lose yeah so i'm not sold on them this though is a stat that makes me very nervous the falcons are 0-4 straight up and against the spread being a favorite this season while that does scare me, the other part of my brain says, you know, what I, you know what it says, Eddie? They're due. They are due for a win. <laughs> so I will take the Falcons as the favorite to win straight up, and I will take them to win against the spread. And also we have to, we'll just throw this joke in anyway, right? Donald Trump has already bon- blown a big lead in Atlanta this week, so the Falcons don't need to do it this time around. Nice, nice. Did you just see the news that uh, the campaign team for Trump just came out and said that he's not going to concede? And they quoted by saying, in a free and fair election, the president wins. I mean, how dictatorial does that sound? Oh, it's good, though. Next week, we're going to be able to pick the line in the Civil War. 
true. We're going to see Frank dressed up in his Minuteman outfit. <laughs> it's going to get awkward for Frank because Arizona is going to be surrounded by everyone's going to have to be fleeing to California there. <laughs> no, in fact, we'll have to hold. We'll have to hold the Western Front in Arizona. <laughs> yeah, you, your office Frank, will turn we need into. You. <laughs> yeah, we need you your office will turn side. into the. You turn into the Alamo. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine Canada. just hearing you still doing the podcast though, but just hearing like sporadic gunfire in the background as you're like warding off like rival supporters. <laughs> We joke, but which one's more likely? What we just discussed or the Bears making the playoffs? Civil War or the Bears making the playoffs? Yeah. It's a bit unfair, really, because the NFL Civil would probably the, the NFL would probably be cancelled <laughs> because no of way. the Civil Roger War. Goodell would play on no matter what. <laughs> they would pause fighting so that games could be played on Sundays. It's called Soldier Field for a reason, right? Exactly. Gotta respect the soldiers. But ironically, just... the Bears won't be playing on that field come playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> or you'll just get scenes like out of uh, the Batman movie. Yeah, oh, God. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. All right. All right. I don't know who to go to first with this one. Do we go to Frank's insistence that the Lions are okay? Or do we go to the Kirk Cousins IV scenario? It's the Lions at the Vikings. So the Vikings are three-point favorites. Let's go to the Kirk I Cousins. I mean, the Lions looked look so good last week. I'm I'm sure Kirk Cousins is just shaking in his boots. No, I mean, this is easy because from, you know, what we're seeing, Stafford's not going to play. Yeah, and, if Staff- list, and if there's one thing I remember about the Lions, when Stafford was out, they were basically a high school football team last year. I mean, I can't – what was his name, Eddie? I can't even remember the, the quarterback that came in. He was so, so bad. Last year? I can't remember. This year it's yeah. Chase Daniel, right? No, it wasn't Chase Daniel. It was so this year. Oh, this, this year, that's yeah, yeah. I mean, I still don't trust Chase Daniel either. So for me, I mean, Minnesota obviously looked much better against the Packers. The Packers had no answer for their run game. They could not stop them. Uh, they're, I think they still think they have a shot at the playoffs. And, you know, we just discussed they still play the Bears twice. Um, so, you know, they are, they can still play the right teams to put themselves into contention to make the playoffs. So I will stick with Minnesota in this one. And the, at least for me, the line is gone now because of the Stafford, uh, whether he's going to play. I saw three, but I'm, the problem was that that was probably picked. I found that line before. So, I mean, I don't know how far it's going out but i mean there's a better question right we do we all think that eddie do you think the vikings will win if so are we all agreeing a line that we would say we'd take or i say it's probably gonna be like what was it It was three it would probably be yeah. around seven then i i would say probably a touchdown yeah Should we driscoll do that eddie wasn't it driscoll yeah it could have yeah <laughs> oh yeah it was great <laughs> yeah we can i mean we think the stafford is only a four-point impact on the Lions. They're missing other players too, right? They're missing Galladay. They're missing a few other players. Let's say seven. We'll take seven, and you know what? We can make we can make an adjustment. We can speak to each other and make an, an, an adjusted pick if it's significantly different to seven anyway, and we'll just talk about that on Monday. 
But if we say, I'll put it this way, I'm confident in taking a Vikings team against the Staffordless Lions, probably up to around eight. So unless it's over eight, I'll stick with stick with the Vikings. I, I'm wrong. It was David Blow. Remember him? Yeah. <laughs> How could you have forgotten, Frank? Yeah. The jokes you could have got out of that. God. That was awful. All right. Frank, Texans at the Jaguars, and the Texans are seven-point favorites. And well, they should be because they are going to smoke the Jaguars here. That one the and Jags six have lost in that one and six team in that divisional game. The Jags have lost six consecutive games, and five of those were by more than seven. And now they don't have the quirky Gardner Minshew playing. And the Texans have won the last five times they played Jacksonville. Put those together, and that's a big Texans win. Look out, Deshaun Watson MVP. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm going to take the Texans, and I'm going to take the Texans to cover the spread. It's not because they're good. It's because they're about to play against a sixth-round quarterback who's making his first appearance in the NFL. So it's if they can't beat this, then they're basically almost not an NFL team. So, yeah, I'm pretty confident, but I'm, I'm, I'm really not looking forward to Monday when Frank is suddenly going to proclaim that he's been right all along just because the Texans beat the Jags by 20 points. For me, the problem is, right, it's two bad teams. Like, they're both one and six. It's a divisional game, and you've got a team up by a touchdown, essentially, away from home, like... I don't know. The Texans give away like 31 points a game, but I also think the Jags give over 30 points a game as well. So it's either high scoring, but ultimately there's just a small part of me. This is probably more gut, but they've just both, have they both come off a bye or is it just the Jags? I can't remember. But even with that QB, what is it? Luden or whatever he's called? Luton? Luton? Yeah, Luton. Luton. Like the... Like the place, like the in place, England. like like yeah. the lovely yeah. place that so, everyone flies into. He's from <laughs> like, Oregon State. What's their nickname, Eddie? The Beavers. Correct. Nice well, job. I'm. I don't know. It's getting to that point where maybe a little bit more gut feeling comes into this. I think I'm going to take the Texans to win, but I've just got that feeling about it being a closer game than seven. So I'm going to take him. I'll take the Jaguars on the spread. I'm going to be burnt by it massively, but I don't know. I just think it's two bad teams playing against each other and a team away from home in a divisional. I'm not so sure. But Anyway, moving on is the Giants at Washington. Big game. And the Washington... What a game. Football this is team. the game that officially... This is the game we, when, we, when I talk each week about games I will not be watching at all. This is it. This wins the week in terms of hopefully time spent watching is under a minute. So what I found interesting about this one, though, is that Washington actually have one of the best pass defenses in the league. Um, and I think they're like sixth in the stats for like sacks. They've got a good defense. Like they've got a pretty solid defense. And when you think, okay, he's up against Daniel Jones, who made those two pretty costly picks in the Bucks game, that's I, an understatement. I, I, I think, yeah, yeah, true. I say pretty, you, but it's probably just adding words needlessly. But I actually think the two and a half is good value on Washington. I, I, I think you know, 
I think they'll stop the Giants pretty easily and they'll put up some pretty regular points. Not a lot, but regular scoring. So I'm going to take Washington under cover. I'm a little torn because actually the Giants looked pretty good on Monday night overall. I actually was impressed. The funny the, and the, the thing I'm warning myself is I've been impressed by them once before this year and that led to me taking them to win the next week and they were destroyed. So I've got to be careful about being impressed with them because they looked semi-competent because it will come back to bite me. So I am going to take Washington to win and cover the spread. Kind of a similar, under similar logic of you. I think at this point you can just assume that Daniel Jones is, at least, is going to throw at least one interception. The question is, will it be a game-changing one or just irrelevant? But it does mean if it's a tight game, you can't... He's at the stage now. I actually don't think he's that bad. I wouldn't actually give up on him if I were the Giants. I don't. I think he, there is some potential there. He makes really good throws and really good plays at times. He just has a tendency. He'll make nine, you know, good to very good plays in a row, and then just one absolutely atrocious one that undoes all of the good work. So, I'm yeah. going to take the. I'm going to take Washington, but it, it wouldn't surprise me if if New York kind of built a little bit on the momentum from Monday and one. Yeah, it's it's the enigma that's Daniel Jones. I mean. Eddie's point is completely validated by the last drive they have. He has an amazing drive, made some crazy like fourth down throws, had some good runs, threw a bullet for that touchdown to Golden Tate, looked great. And then to tie the game up, all he's got to do is hit a simple three-yard out route to the receiver and completely underthrows him behind him and blows the game. You know, and that's probably Daniel pass Jones. interference. In fairness for him. Still should Close. have done better with the throw, but probably pass. I, I I will say I think if it had been reversed, if that was Tom Brady trying to tie the game, I think he they don't it. pick that flag up. Yeah, yeah, and that that kind of bothers me. Is if someone throws the flag, I think you should almost have to call it. Well, unless 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 the other official had like the absolute clear view, and the other official who threw it had an obstructed view, which yeah. wasn't the case then I don't understand how, how you can overturn it. I mean, I just don't get, because they had this twice in that game, right? That were on both occasions, they picked up the flag once for the bucks and once for the giants. Now it was a much more significant play when they did it for the giants, but on both occasions, the official in the best place to make the call through the flag, they then huddled and spoke for 90 seconds, two minutes over two minutes, almost. And then decided, no, actually, no flag. I don't understand what they're talking about in those huddles when the person with the best view thinks it's the penalty, unless they are getting information from somewhere else. Like, this is the only thing, which they're not. They're not supposed to be getting, right? But unless you're telling me, which would make way more sense, is if in their earpiece someone was like, oh, bang, bang, play, pick up the flag. But... Is the guy on the other side of the field coming across and being like, "Well, through the twenty players, I had a feeling that maybe it was it was pretty close," you know? No, Eddie, I've seen the Buffalo Wild Wings commercial. They're getting together to give the people more time to eat their wings. That's what they're doing. Is uh, a <laughs> come on Baker Mayfield in that one? No, sadly, he's not. That's why they're not that good. Baker Mayfield, a true classic actor, classically trained. I should say, just because it's important, just the source that we're taking uh, these lines from, not that anyone will be that interested, but the Packers are now only six and a half point favorites. 
we all took the Packers anyway, so it doesn't change anyone's pick. But Daniel, like the other thing about that pass interference that bothers me is he did make a bad throw, and had Daniel Jones made a better throw, he catches that regardless of the pass interference or not. But I, I think it's unfair to say like, oh, it doesn't matter if it was pass interference or not. It was Daniel Jones's fault because it was a bad throw. Like, I think that's kind of unfair because if that were Tom Brady and he made a bad throw and got the call, Noah would still be saying like, oh, well, Tom Brady still should have thrown it. They'll be like, oh, well, it was pass interference. That's why he didn't get it. You know, so he gets a bad rap for that because of that flag being picked up when, yeah, he could have hit him, but it still was pass interference. Probably. Let's also be real. It wasn't a bad throw. It, it was just pretty, wasn't. A, it just wasn't. Had he good. made a good throw, it didn't have to be a great throw. If he had just made a good throw, they score. Yeah, but that's why it's not bad, right? Like it was right at the receiver. He just didn't. It's a five yard out, though. He just didn't lead the receiver away from the defender. But it wasn't. It wasn't awful. It wasn't like he didn't see him throw it and be like, "My God, this guy is an NFL quarterback." It wasn't. It wasn't on that level, right? Yeah, and and, I mean that's the issue with Jones is he has those great plays and then he has some some not so great plays and just the turnovers are terrible. But the interesting thing that everyone keeps pointing out is. Carson Wentz actually has more turnovers this year than Daniel Jones, which is pretty impressive. I they should do. I hope we get to a stage where we're getting breaking news when Breeze or Brady <laughs> turnover throws, record throws that, and then the turnover record. Like if we can just get just constant breaking news going on in the final few weeks of the season, I'd be so happy. That would be funny. I mean, the Giants beat the Washington football team three weeks ago, so it was close, and Washington missed the two-point conversion there to win it. But I'm going to go with what Eddie said, and the Giants have looked much better of late. They probably should have beat the Eagles. They probably could have at least put the Bucks into overtime. And Washington has a good pass rush, but I'll stick with the Giants. They seem to be heating up a little bit, so I'll go Giants over Washington in both. Congratulations, Frank. It's not over yet. There could be. A, it's not over yet, but you you managed to get through probably the longest period of time that you've ever spoken about the Washington football team without using the controversial word. word. I'm going to have so. to go back and re-listen to this because I have no idea what I said because in my head, all I kept saying is, just say Washington football team. Just say Washington football team. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting enough, Frank, that's pretty much all you've said. That, that's what you said. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up, the Seahawks at the Bills, and the Seahawks are three-point favorites. Tough one, really tough one, because you can see real, really obvious flaws in both of these teams. And the issue here is the Bills might have flaws both on both sides of the ball, whereas the Seattle clearly has flaws only on one side. So, in a way, that should make me prefer the Seahawks, but I am going to give the Bills one final chance to prove that they are a good team, and I'm going to take the Bills to win, and I'm going to take the Bills plus three. Wow. So, I mean, yeah, fair enough. But for me, I'm going with the Seahawks and to cover here because when you look at the Bills, their last, like, four outings, where is it, like, they put up 16, 17, um, 18, and 24, and the last two are against the They've been saving the points. They've been saving the points for when they need them. Well, yeah, they're gonna need them. There's an argument for that, but they're yeah, boy, are they gonna need them? And if they're not posting them against the Jets and the Patriots, I'm I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure if 
this suddenly ramps up against a better team. Granted, not a better defense, but against a better team that is equal, easily going to put up 30 plus. So for that reason, I'm going to go Seahawks and to cover. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I like I like the Bills. I want to root for the Bills. I hope they do well. I think they're they're a good team. They're a fun team to watch. I like Josh Allen, but you're talking about a team who was losing to the Jets at one point and a team that had Cam not fumbled that ball on the 15-yard line, they might have lost or at least went to overtime in that game against a not-so-great Patriots team. Go to the other side of the ball, and you have a Seahawks team who's going to put up 30 almost no matter what. And I don't think the Bills can put up 30 right now. I mean, I hope they get back to – you know, what they were doing and, and what they were expected to do. But right now they don't look like that team that can hang with a team like the Seahawks. The other thing that does suck for them is you would normally have the Seahawks going to Buffalo in a pretty hostile stadium in what November, but unfortunately they don't allow fans and it's supposed to be 71 degrees. So they're going to lose all of that home field advantage aspect of it as well. So um, I'm going to go Seahawks and Seahawks to cover. We don't really talk. We know early on in the year we spoke about the weird fan noise kind of pumped in sound levels in places that have no fans. And we mentioned in a couple games where we thought maybe it would have made a difference. I think the game we really spoke about that was in the actually in the Seattle-New England game when New England was, was able to drive down the field and obviously came up short in the end. But on that final drive and what difference a home crowd might have made to that situation. It is interesting. Stopped watch. on the one. Exactly. Yeah. It is interesting watching a lot of these games now, where you do think, you do watch. There have been a lot of close games, and just the total lack of noise. It just means that teams on the road almost have an advantage at times, just because you're able to so easily communicate. You want the ball last. All right. Um, Raiders at the Chargers, and Chargers are one point favorites. So complete toss up. I don't get this one, to be honest. I kind of feel at this point that the Raiders have proven themselves to be at least pretty competent. And I don't see a lot about the Chargers to love. So I'm going to take the Raiders in this whoa, one. Whoa, whoa. Not a Herbert fan? How do you not love Herbert? I mean, <laughs> I just don't. No, I want a detailed analysis, Eddie. I want it right yeah. here, right now. What's not to like about Jake Herbert? I think he looks really good. And if you. I think the Chargers Sexy. should be the Chargers. <laughs> the Chargers should be very happy with themselves in the sense that they definitely have a quarterback that they can stick with for a few years to come. Uh, that being said, he does also have the tendency to not come through in the moments that really count. Yet that might change over time, but he's been put in a few situations where he's needed to be a little bit clutch, and he hasn't been so far. So, here, so here's a good question, Eddie, I have for you. Actually, I like this. It's a very small sample size because he's only been starting since week two. But have the Chargers done a better job with their two franchise quarterbacks than the Giants have? Because obviously there's that huge debate with the whole Philip Rivers, Eli Manning draft. And now you have, they both had that QB for, how many years 14 years yeah even a bit more right? maybe 15 16 and now, years yeah. and now they've gone out and gotten their next franchise quarterback with the chargers and herbert and the giants and daniel jones 
who has done the better job so far? The Giants well, or the Chargers over the past 18 years, whatever it is. You'd have to say the Giants because they won two Super Bowls with Eli Manning and the Chargers never even made it to the Super Bowl. You could but how many then, would Phillip Rivers have won if you were on the Giants? <laughs> no more than two. <laughs> I mean, let's put it that way. No, definitely no more than two. And then on top of it, right, Eli Manning has two of the most iconic Super Bowl passes of all time. Probably the most iconic play in Super Bowl history in the yeah. helmet catch. And then the 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 pass uh, in the second uh, Super Bowl as well. Another one of the great plays of the Super Bowl. So you could also, if you were being really critical of the Chargers, you could say that their uh, persistence with Manning with uh, with uh, Rivers in the end cost them the better quarterback, right? Because they could have had they just could have had Breeze. They could have. So if you're really analyzing their management of quarterbacks, you could say that fundamentally, sure. fundamentally, three Super Bowls have gone to quarterbacks who could have been chargers and no super bowls have been won by the chargers or no even super bowl appearances in that time frame so look they more they look more likely to have found a quarterback who's going to make them competitive in the near future whereas there's every chance that daniel jones won't be starting in the nfl after this year so in that sense for managing back-to-back quarterbacks the chargers get the edge but you Look, if you ask the Chargers, so, would, 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 would you rather have Daniel Jones and have won two Super Bowls in your lifetime or have had or to be consistently in the playoffs but not never have won a Super Bowl in your lifetime? I know which one most fans would pick. We're going to have to just check back in 15 years. Sam, can you write this down for our future podcast? Set a reminder, on your, set a reminder 15, on your phone. 15 years from now, let's reevaluate the Chargers versus Giants. Episode 12,000. Quarterback. Situations. Good news is, good news is by then Daniel Jones will be just a co-host of the podcast, so he'll be. I thought you going to say he was going to be bagging my groceries. <laughs> is that <laughs> he, a euphemism? Yeah, <laughs> he would do it, but like every every tenth grocery, he just missed the bag. <laughs> if Daniel Jones were bagging groceries, how many times would he drop the bag? It's a great question. What does he fumble the most? What produce is he fumbling? Anything is there any way he's holding on to like a cantaloupe? <laughs> nah, too big, too big. He'd be fine with that. Although it most resembles a football, he'd, he'd, yeah. start, he'd be yeah. okay with that. I think it would be like cans. Like a, like a spaghetti squash, he's he's doomed. There's no way he can hold a spaghetti squash and put it very in the bag. specific. <laughs> Wait, spaghetti squash? It looks, it looks very much like a football. Wait, Wait should I have heard of this? <laughs> Am I being what, dumb? What's what, a, spaghetti a spaghetti squash? Yeah. Is it just spaghetti, a squash? Yeah, it's 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 a more like it looks like almost like a football shape, just not as pointy at the ends, but it's yellow, that kind and of you, shape. And then you bake it and then you can like it shreds into spaghetti basically. Okay. Wow. The, quite tasty. Low low carb people love it. Who carved people like they're like a, a like a town nearby? Like Vasilis. Vasilis would love spaghetti squash. No gluten. If there's Except spaghetti would... squash at the next sex party, imagine, Vasilis. Imagine is a spaghetti squash at a sex party. Just people like putting their hands in. Like, uh, could you not touch my food, please? 
I don't know what I like to picture more. Daniel Jones fumbling a spaghetti squash while trying to put it into my bag or the spaghetti squash at a sex party and Vasilis reaching over someone to spoon some into his plate. Uh, I mean, you couldn't rule out him doing both simultaneously. <laughs> Wait, what? Wait, Daniel Jones and Vasilis doing it at like the same time? Or do you mean yeah. D- Daniel Jones at a sex party fumbling food? Uh, rumor has it he attends cheap sex parties in Paris. So in the off season. <laughs> See, now that isn't a chess move because no one knows who Daniel Jones is to begin with. So people yeah. might believe that he might, he might have been there. I mean, he got in just, trouble right for going to a restaurant in the uh, and breaking COVID protocols. So wouldn't surprise yeah. me if he was also attending a sex party. Not to start a rumor, I'm just saying we can't say for sure that Daniel Jones didn't attend a sex party. That sounded that sounded like a real Trump way of saying that. Like I'm not starting a rumor, but <laughs> this, exactly. is, this is what I'm saying. <laughs> it's very hard to disprove something that's not right so i'm just gonna throw that out there who would eat more at that sex party daniel jones or vasilis vasilis are we talking about dicks or (laughs) (laughs) we're talking about non-glutinous foods oh is it sorry i didn't realize (laughs) (laughs) uh vasilis vasilis it wouldn't be close daniel jones is big he's like six five isn't he it wouldn't be close. I would take Vasilis in an eating contest against most people when it came to marathon eating. I don't want him in a speed eating contest. That's not his thing. But over a long period of time, he would, I mean, he'd literally just eat himself until he burst. So <laughs> that would be incredible to see in like the corner of Bugsy's, just him eating and then you just see splat everywhere. It would be gross. What would be and his it, food of choice, though? He's only allowed one food, but he is allowed like chicken. marathon eating. Chicken, what, yeah, maybe. Is chicken. it whole chickens? Like, yeah, yeah. Does he eat chicken wings, Eddie? Yeah, but not we as much a, as you'd expect. I was gonna say we should do a chicken wing eating contest. I did see him eat chicken wings a couple of weeks ago. He he ate his chicken wings at the Canadian Embassy, no problem. Actually, considering the fact that you think you can also eat like a hundred chicken wings. We should definitely have a chicken wing challenge. Yeah, could be a. Oh, Vasilis would beat me. Vasilis would beat you. So Vasilis would have to eat over a hundred chicken wings. You're saying? Yeah, but I said I could eat over a hundred in twelve hours, right? Yeah, but you said marathon eating. Yeah, no, Vasilis would crush me. I think Vasilis. I honestly, if I think we set Vasilis the goal of five hundred in twelve hours, (laughs) and there was like something for him to get out of it, I think he could do it. He would shit himself. But <laughs> what a troupe. He wouldn't even leave the table. And this is no, see, that's the other thing. You'd have to give him the allowance, not puking, but you'd have to give him the allowance to like go to the bathroom, lie on the floor naked, like all the things he needs to be able to do to keep going. If you actually made him sit there and sort of abide by normal competitive eating contest rules, he wouldn't be good. But if it was literally just like lead your normal life but you can't throw up but you get to eat as much as you want in this 12-hour span he would be if this was like game of thrones and i had to nominate my like the person to defend me fight for you (laughs) exactly it's it's facilis yeah we should now you definitely need to visit 
we can go to Buffalo Wild Wings and we can. That try being it said, out. I could also I don't know Game of Thrones well enough, right? But he could also be like that cocky uh, Spanish dude who spun around and then got killed by the mountain. That could oh, be whoa. the silliest move. And no that's who's, what where he yeah, got his he, eyes popped in. Exactly. It's, it was the Viper, and he was nominated to do it, Eddie. <laughs> I know, I know he was. That's why I said. And what I mean is I could see Vasilis getting really cocky and being really far ahead and then and then doing the same thing where he's like poking chicken wings at the guy who's he's fighting against and be like, just say it. Admit that you did it. <laughs> like going over the same thing and then eventually just being like, uh-oh, and then just throwing up everywhere as the guy eats his final wing. <laughs> Now in that in that situation, who's the mountain? Is it you? Are you the mountain who then no. bursts his eyes? <laughs> I would burst his eyes after he lost. Um, who would be the mountain? I don't know. I don't think we know a mountain from an eating perspective. All right. I mean, finishing off this Chargers Chargers Raiders game, I'm I'm not so sure. It's yeah, it's it's a, Raiders look good against the Browns. It wasn't Herbert's fault that they blew this 21 point lead. Uh, it kind of was. I they still know. blew it. Yeah, they still blew it. We, I don't think it was. They scary. still blew it, but we, we always give quarterbacks or like offensive players a pass a lot of the time. But like fundamentally, you don't blow leads if your offense continues to execute. I don't know. Well, if, you just call running, if you just call running plays all game, then it's not his fault. Lay off them, all right, Eddie? Yeah. God. <laughs> what the hell's your problem think, with them? I, I think... I think I just think the charges are ever so slightly better. Just literally one point better, basically. I'm take I'll take the charges. There's a bit more gut in it than rationale. That's very precise. If, if that's the case, you should take the push. And I'll tell you this: if you take the push, if you take the push and it wins, you just win the year. Uh, I'll just we'll just we'll end this, and you've won the year. If I take the one push. Yeah, you. But you have to specifically say the one point push here. You do oh, not win if the Chargers win by two it, points. It's such a difficult one because if it goes to overtime, it's all over. Hey, the Broncos so, won 31-30 against them last week, right? I would – no, 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 I'm not. I'm going to be chicken here. I'm not taking it. <laughs> I think considering you went the other way, I feel like this may be an opportunity to get something back. So I think I'm going to play it safe. All right. Um, yeah, I mean, the, they give up leads every week. So I, I can't pick a team that just keeps doing this week after week. The stat I did find is Vegas is three and one straight up on the road. Um, and they have the better record. So, I mean, I'll take a team with a better record who does well on the road to win. I love that you said you can't back teams that blow leads, yet you keep backing the Falcons. <laughs> No, I think it's more interesting that he can't back teams that blow leads, but he can back a team that never has one in the case of the Texans. Like, <laughs> oh, I won't, I won't back that team who, that was up 20 and lost by two. I want to back the team that just lost by 30. They're much more reliable. All right. Next up is Dolphins at the Cardinals. Uh, Cardinals are four and a half point favorites. I'm throwing any analytics or any opinions that I have about either of these two teams completely out the window. And I'm just going to say... I want the Dolphins to win. I'm taking them as a pick just because I want Frank to suffer. I want the Tua hatred to be, I want the flames to be be 10 foot high by the end of this game, just fueled by the kind of vitriol that will be pouring off of Frank's body during this game. So 100%, there's no logic. 
There's no reason behind it. I'm not suggesting that anyone follow my pick on this because the only reason I'm doing it is so that I can say I told you so on Monday when Tua throws for 84 yards in a Dolphins victory, but I get to say that he was really great. I mean, in fairness, he only threw for, what, 94 in the Rams' victory? Yeah, no, he was not impressive. I mean, not, it wasn't his fault. It wasn't his fault that he wasn't impressive. It's just that Jared Goff literally kept handing the balls to Dolphins players. So there was nothing Tua could really do. Yeah, I looked at those stats. They Dolphins only posted like 145 offensive yards. They averaged three yards a play, and they had 48 plays. And they go and beat the Rams where Goff posted stats like 350 yards. It, it was crazy. But the thing is, like, if the Cardinals rushing game gets going, then they can compete. And I, I, I actually think this is a really easy one for me. I, I'm taking the cards on this one. I think it's, I, th- I think it's a really simple game, to be honest. I, I thought it was one of the easier picks when I saw it. But yeah, I'm going. You with can the think Cardinals. that, but you don't, don't, don't underestimate the magic of a Hawaiian. You know, many people have made that mistake, and. You don't want to fall into that category. I like the Name magic of a Hawaii. Name another person who's made that mistake. Well, James uh, James Cook. <laughs> what? <laughs> the, uh, oh. the explorer who got eaten by Hawaiians. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how far you have to go back? <laughs> I think his first name is Cook. But anyway, Captain Cook. I'll just stick with Captain Cook. And That's I think quite ironic, eaten. considering he got eaten. <laughs> Captain uncooked. Yeah, Captain eaten raw. All right, Frank. My turn. There is no way in hell I would pick the Dolphins in this game. Solely because Eddie is going against me. <laughs> So I have yeah, to the, stick the content to my guns. we're providing for people here. So much just deep analytics here. I'm going to pick them because Frank didn't. Frank's going to hate it. Then oh, I'm going to pick them because Eddie hates it. Wow. Yeah, it's a hilarious moment when I'm the one posting up some sort of like stats or opinion on it. Uh, I mean, I. So, okay, the Dolphins did hand the Rams a pretty epic defeat, but the Rams still outgained them by 250 yards. And that was with Goff looking like shit. Murray, I could argue right now, is a better quarterback than Goff is right now. Not career-wise, but right at this moment, I think Murray is a much bigger threat because he can run the ball, he can throw the ball, he has better receivers right now in Hopkins. I think they, the Dolphins surprisingly have a very statistically point-wise a good defense. They're letting up twenty under 20 a game. But I think the Cardinals will come out here and put up at least 25-30 against this team. Tua is going to be on the ground often, and he's not going to be able to just throw for 40 yards and have seven passes and win a game. He's going to have to step up to win this game, and I do not see him stepping up to win this game. You just better hope that uh, during their time in Arizona, the Dolphins do not take a quick trip to Lake Havasu, in which case... Tua will see London Bridge and he will be fueled by the fire of his ancestors and just absolutely dismantle this team. That is quite a specific reference joke right there. <laughs> it's it's actually a pretty incredible link. Yeah. <laughs> like no, fair play. Well done. Well done. Thank you. 
you got so sold so short with that London Bridge. <laughs> I mean, look, hey, just throwing in some history facts for for all of our fans out there. I'll give you a history fact. Do you know who beat Tua in the Heisman in 2018? Cook. I mean, Murray. Oh, yeah. Get ready. If they were both playing on the same teams for that they were playing for in college, I might think differently about this game. I don't know what that means. As in, <laughs> if this was Alabama against Texas Tech, right? Nope. I might feel. No? Where, do you, where did Murray play? Texas. Oklahoma. Oh, you played at Oklahoma? Who am I thinking of? Oh, who am I thinking of at Texas Tech? Am I just thinking of Mahomes by the Texas Tech? Yeah, true. Plus, I'm thinking of the head coach too. Kingsbury. Kingsbury was the Texas Tech head coach, right? Yes. Losing record. All you have to do is have a losing record in college. You can be a pro coach with a nice house in Scottsdale. All right, next up, Steelers at the Cowboys, and the Steelers are 14-point favorites. I'm going to take this one real quick because I just want to put it out there. The Steelers are my survivor pick, and I texted my survivor pick to my father, and he responded, you're taking the Steelers. You hate the Steelers. So this is not going to go well. (laughs) Everyone knows how much I've been against them. So this is going to be their chance to to bend me over and Scarlett Johansson me at a sex party in Paris. I mean, can you tell me, can you name either of the court, because they've benched Ben DiNucci. Can you yes. tell me either of the quarterbacks who are... It's Cooper Rush and, and the other guy. <laughs> Garrett <laughs> Gilbert. Guy. Garrett Gilbert. Yeah. Gary Gilbert. Garrett. <laughs> Garrett. Gary Gilbert. <laughs> oh, oh, Gary. I was like, that's the blandest name. That is Gary Gilbert name. sounds like a professional darts player. Here's Sam Jones again, mocking more people's names. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. His name, he thinks his name is like Tua Tua Viloga. You know, like this is what he hears. When he says yeah, it's Sam like Jones. the kind of British, <laughs> the British equivalent. Oh, Samuel Jones. I'm so exotic. Um, <laughs> not a great sign having just asked you who the starting quarterbacks were, that CeeDee Lamb struggled to say Cooper Rush's name during an interview when being asked about it this week. Not great when you have one of your wide receivers being unsure of who might be under center for you that week. So you have to assume Danucci looked so bad uh, in the game on Sunday night. You have to assume that anyone almost would be an upgrade. So that makes me a little bit cautious in a way because it's a fairly large spread. But I'm obviously I'm taking the Steelers to win. I'm kind of tempted to take the Cowboys plus 14, but I'm just not going to do it to myself. I'm going to take the team to cover the big spread when I think they are significantly better. Frank, I assume you're taking the spread. Yeah. I mean, I, you have to. You, yeah. you, this is like one of those things you keep betting against the Jets until they prove you wrong. You keep betting against a quarterback named Cooper Rush until he proves you wrong. Here's the thing, right? Is the against the spread, you should have won if you'd bet on the Cowboys on Sunday night against the Eagles. The Eagles should not have covered that spread. They just got that very fluky defensive touchdown, which shouldn't have stood as a touchdown. I say this like I wanted it to stand as a touchdown, but it should not have stood. The player on the ground clearly had possession of the ball at the time he was touched, like the fact that they then got ripped from his hands and then they allowed it to play to continue 
was kind of crazy. And if it had been on the other end of that, that decision, I would have been absolutely furious. So there's part of you, you know, in a way you would say, but then at the same time, the Steelers are significantly better than the Eagles. So on that basis, you still have to like them. Cowboys are 0-8 against the spread this year as well. I think it's like one of the worst or maybe not only teams, but it's certainly one of the few that has gone 0-8. Um, that's, the, that's the concerning thing too, is that no team goes 0-16 against the spread. It's just not going to happen. So there's that moment when Vegas, and by that I mean bookmakers and not, not the football team, is going to be pricing the Cowboys' opponents out of the game with how high the spread is going to get. And 14 might be approaching it, but... But yeah, until until proven wrong, it's hard to hard to pick this this Cowboys team. I mean, they've they've been outscored eighty six to twenty two in their last three games, and that's against Philadelphia, the Washington Football Team, and Arizona. So not the greatest of opponents. Their and defense. A, their defense. And I have an appointment the like the Steelers concern. coming in. Their defense, and now admittedly they they're getting some players back defensively, right? Like on. In the Sunday night game, they they had a couple key players back, so they're not going to be as bad over the next few weeks as they were for a period there. But but yeah, you, you've got to assume the Steelers are going to move the ball pretty easily against them. All right, battle of the QBs, Saints of the Buccaneers, and uh, the Bucks are four point favorites. Um, Frank, has it, well, has there ever been before you, Frank, you can answer this question? Has there ever been a bigger game in the history of the NFL? I mean, for two quarterbacks to be competing for such a prestigious record in the same game against each other and for the possibility that it's going to change hand multiple times, this to me is bigger than every Super Bowl combined. <laughs> what do they say in dodgeball? It's like bigger than the World Cup, the World Series, and World War II put together. Exactly. <laughs> F&A, Cotton. F&A. <laughs> And a rough week for both of these quarterbacks, right? In a way, okay, they're chasing this record. Their teams are both looking playoff bound. They're lo looking at the prospect of playing one of their rivals from the last, you know, 15 years. A huge divisional game too. Yeah, this game has a lot of repercussions for the this future of both of these teams. But then at the same time, they are both noted Trump supporters. So probably a little bit of, you know, both suffering a little bit coming into this one. So for that reason, you're going with the Bucks, Eddie. <laughs> like... <laughs> I'm going to take... take the Bucks because I think Drew Brees looks terrible, like slightly above corpse level in his quarterback play. And you, would you say frail? Oh, be no frail would be kind. <laughs> Don't be frail to be kind. <laughs> Brady is frail. Dilapidated? Is that a good word for Breeze at the moment? Dilapidated? <laughs> Dilapidated would imply that some structure is still remaining. He's not even in that. He's no, but he that. is. He's still like the husk of a human. It's just not, not much even. going on. No. Okay. No. It's as if you've dug someone's grave, but you've yet to put the body in it. This is the stage <laughs> his career is at. <laughs> hey, one four straight. Yeah. They have but it's not Breeze doing that, though, is it? So, wait, Eddie, real quick. So this is a question that relates to it. What scares you more, the fact that the Saints had to go to overtime to beat the Bears or the fact that the Bucks 
had to squeak out a missed two-point conversion to beat the Giants? Um, the Saints won because the Bears were just doing nothing on offense at all. And they should have been able to just put up enough points that game shouldn't have been in question. Whereas the Giants offensively were actually pretty good against the Bucks, which is a little bit of a surprise given how good their defense has been this year. But still, you got to give the Giants a little bit of credit for Daniel Jones making some big plays. So in a way, I don't see it as an, as much of a knock on Brady and their offense. Now, it's an issue for their defense, which has probably been the reason why the Bucks have won a lot of games. Like It actually hasn't been Brady and their weapons. So for me, Breeze, apparently I sat out of practice the last two games. Oh, Maybe yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know that. I might like the Saints then. Yeah, I think he, it said... It was held back in practice for the second straight day. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't think Breeze is as done as Eddie. You know, I don't, I don't think you, you put a fork in him. I don't think he's done yet. But he hasn't looked great. And Brady has looked much better. The thing that scares me about this game is there are two competitive teams. This is a huge divisional game. The Saints won the last one. You know, they're going to leave everything out there on the field. They both need to win this. I think the Bucks will win, but I think it's going to be very close, and I think the Saints will cover. Um, I, I'm going with the Bucks and to win this one. I, I just think it won't be it won't be Breeze that wins it for the Saints. If they do, it'll be more the Bucks kind of losing it in a relatively poor performance against the Giants. But I would back Brady to come good in this scenario over Breeze and the Saints. So I'm going to go with the Bucks and come. And last but all my days, not least, is the Pats at the Jets. And the Jets are, um, sorry, the Jets aren't favorite. What am I on about? The Patriots are seven and a half point favorites. I mean, it's, this is a weird one because when I first saw it, I was almost second guessing myself because obviously over the past like three or four weeks, we've been it's almost been like so easy to go against both that when these two came up in the matchup i paused for a moment and then i kind of realized like in what reality am i questioning like the a patriots team period against this jets team and i still think for me that the patriots will win and they'll cover the spread but the honestly the only reason i think it is because surely they have to i mean bill belichick might actually kill people if they don't, I just, it's a pretty depressing game to be honest, but the only reason I'm going with the Patriots and the cover is because it would be absolutely criminal if they didn't. Yeah. I mean, I do agree with you. I, I just think this, this spread actually isn't as high as I expected it to be. I mean, the Patriots are not good, but the jets are atrocious. So a seven and a half point spread against a historically bad NFL team even if the Patriots are just mediocre, which I think it's about where they are, is a little bit disrespectful to the Patriots. And you also know that it's not like a Bill Belichick team is ever going to go into tank mode or ever going to sort of consider that it's season over because I'm sure the Patriots are telling themselves that there is still a path to the playoffs for them. And that if they can, I mean, part of them, they'll be telling themselves if the Bills lose this week and if they win and if the Dolphins lose, they're right I'm back in 
Sorry? When the Dolphins lose. Okay. <laughs> they will be right back in the hunt for the division. I mean, they wouldn't really be, but they, you know, if you're on that team, that's what you would be telling yourself. So you have to like the Patriots and you have to think that the Jets aren't going to suddenly start covering sub 10 point spreads. Yeah, I went I went stat heavy on this one. So Patriots lost four in a row, haven't scored more than 21. Ooh, that makes you nervous. Well, the Jets have lost the last four in a row. They haven't scored more than 10 in any of those games. So not so nervous. I like that. Jets, I like that you played. I like that you played a couple characters when you as you gave you like those that stats. One? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the Jets have lost each game this year by at least eight points. At least. So they have failed to cover yet an eight-point spread. They are 32nd in points scored and 28th in points allowed. That is amazing. I understand that they kind of play off each other a little bit. If your offense is never on the field, then your defense is out there all the time. But to be that bad, to be almost the worst team in both categories is impressive. I You cannot go with the Jets until they can – cover a spread and start being competitive. I understand the Patriots don't look good, but they do not look anywhere near as bad as the Jets do. I think that's it. I think we've covered all the games. Yeah. And it must be said that unlike previous weeks where we haven't had great Premier League football to speak of, this week is a little bit different because there is a huge match this weekend as City are playing Liverpool. So, I mean, it's difficult at the moment to say that this is a sort of any in any way a title decider. One because they're dropping, they're both dropping points all over the place, and two because other teams are now legitimately in the title race. Which maybe Sam is where the question before we discuss this match: Do you give Spurs a legitimate chance at winning the title? No. I just think Spurs will be Spurs and I just don't think they'll do it. I just think there's too many question marks around that team at the moment. Um, you know, they go and do what they did at Old Trafford, then they go and do what they did at Royal Antwerp. And I just think that in a way, I think they're going to emulate City on like a slightly worse level because the City situation is really interesting. Like I was looking at some of the statistics and like, Guardiola's career at Barcelona, Bayern Munich, City. For a start of a season, so after six games, a team has never um, won fewer games, scored fewer goals, or conceded more goals than the situation at the moment. And I think there's a real problem there at City. But I just think that Spurs also have that ability of winning some games really comfortably and then just absolutely imploding against teams as well I'm not sure if they have a shot at the league I would probably actually give like Leicester more of a chance at the moment I I think they're playing more I think they're playing consistently better um the bookies definitely disagree with you there what do they so what what have the bookies got at the moment surely Liverpool are favorites City are favorites 11 to 8 favorites so for anyone who sort of doesn't isn't familiar with the table off the top of their heads uh every team has played seven matches apart from well, apart from two or three or four, actually, at this point. But in terms of teams with title hopes, the only one that hasn't played two matches is uh, played seven matches, sorry, is City. I'm maybe being a little bit dismissive of United, 
who also haven't played seven, but I think we can rule them out of the title race at this point. So you have Liverpool at top with 16, Leicester second with 15, Spurs are third with 14, and then assuming City win their game in hand, they would join them on 14 points. And from the odds, you have City at 11 to 8, Liverpool at 2 to 1, and Spurs at 7 to 1. Now, before you find Leicester at 33 to 1 to win the title, you go through Chelsea at 10 to 1, Arsenal at 25 to 1, and United also 33 to 1. So they think it is as likely that United, who are currently, say they win their game in hand, six points off top, are just as likely to win the title as Leicester are. Out of all those teams not in the top two, who's the last one to win a title? Not in the, you mean not, not in the top two from a betting perspective? Yeah, not Liverpool or City. Chelsea. Well, Spurs, well, Spurs have never won it. Or last one to win a title, did you say? Yeah, yeah. to win. So oh, okay. Chelsea. I mean, what about Leicester? To, to, well, I, I were going, were going dropping down the full length of the league. I thought you were talking about like Spurs, Chelsea, Arsenal. But yeah, okay, Leicester most recently. Chelsea second most recently. Yeah. Then I Arsenal respect. quite a long time ago. And Spurs before any of us were born. <laughs> yeah, what was what was Arsenal? It was there was one after the Invincibles. It was like oh four, maybe oh four, oh five, I think it was. Maybe but 04, interesting, 05, yeah. Interesting stat about Arsenal um is that they've conceded I think they've well I think it's seven goals this season, or seven or eight. I haven't got a stat in front of me, but they've conceded like one of the fewest goals already this season, which seven. is one of their, which is one of their biggest problems. And combine that with the fact that they've gone to Old Trafford, Anfield, and the Etihad, I, I think that's a pretty impressive record. And I think that shows that Arsenal are definitely on a better curve. Whether it's title winning remains to be seen, because ultimately they lost to Man City, lost to Liverpool, and lost at home to Leicester. But, you know, they broke that hoodoo. Um, they finally beat a big six team away. <laughs> I mean, Man, Man U are technically a big six team, so let's just call it a win. But uh, yeah, there's look, a I lot think, of still positives think, with Arsenal at the moment. I, I think when push comes to shove at the end of the season, obviously my prediction with United finishing in the top two as my kind of hot take of the year, that one is dead and buried after six matches. Um, that being said, I do think United will still end up finishing in the top six. I think over the over the course of the remaining 32 matches, they will just win. You know, I mean, people are being hard on them for being terrible, but fundamentally they win their game in hand. They go to 10 points. It puts them, you know, in within touching distance of the top six, top four anyway. So it's not like they need some incredible turnaround at this stage. It just doesn't look tremendously likely. And I guess maybe even before we get to the, the big match, they have an interesting test. They're away to Everton uh, this yeah. week. So that that will be an interesting litmus test of where they stand. I mean, if if the defending is anything like that first goal in Istanbul, they're not they're they're generally up for like mid table. <laughs> Did you see it? Yeah, the, the goal. I mean, that was that's borderline pathetic. How you give someone space like that where they've got a one on one scenario before the halfway line. Yeah, I, look, I mean, I feel sorry for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in a sense because he's just being tremendously let down by players who are significantly better than the form that they are showing. And everyone can talk about formation and tactics and all that, but fundamentally you step onto the pitch. I mean, there was the Roy Keane rant at the weekend when he got into his argument with Tim Cahill. I don't know if you saw that from 
after the Man United match where Tim Cahill was saying how uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, there's no leaders in the United team and there's also no leadership from the manager. So they're not getting motivated by someone. And Roy Keane took that as just a ridiculous statement because he said you don't need anyone to motivate you beside yourself. And that even when he was a seven-year-old boy playing football, the only person that motivated him, him was Roy Keane, um, which in the case of Roy Keane is absolutely true. Undoubtedly, though, Roy Keane motivated other players with his intensity and with his attitude and his approach. Um, but Solskjaer is being let down. The only criticism I would have is that he constantly chops and changes and he reacts very, he really reacts to whatever the last result was. So so, you know, they'll play the champion in their opening two Champions League matches. He kind of puts some fringe players in. They play well. Now they're in the now they're starting at the weekend. They play badly. Now they're back out of the team. And so you, you have to, if he's going to keep his job, he needs to pick an 11 that he can, he's comfortable with. And if he sinks with that 11, then he sinks. But this idea that if, you know, if he puts Matic in one week and Matic doesn't play well, well, then Pogba's coming in for Matic the next week. And then if Pogba doesn't play well, well, then Van der Beek's coming in the next week. You, you have to have some approach where you players can get a little bit of form and consistency. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that one. But the Everton game will be tough for them, like really tough. I I don't think... It's, it's at Goodison Park, right? I, I, I can't remember, but... Yeah, it's at Goodison. It, like, that's one of the ones where, like, the crowd matters. Like, they do get fired up for that kind of game, and Everton are going to lose a bit of that intensity, uh, especially with, like, a Man U game, because Man U have been on the end of some thumpings there over the past, like, three or four, five years. I, but I don't know who I'd go with that one. I'd, I'd probably fancy Everton at the moment. I just think it, after seeing that kind of... Um, game in Istanbul, how bad they looked in the Chelsea game. Granted, Chelsea looked bad as well. But also how simple it looked for Arsenal. Arsenal didn't look that great, but they just looked it just looked easier and better for Arsenal to create the kind of passing setups that they did. I think it would be really tough to back a team that a couple of weeks ago beat PSG. Um, it's, it's a strange thing, but yeah, I, I don't know what it is with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and PSG but it seems to like breathe life into his career it's such a strange thing but yeah I was for me watching, I'd go Everton in that game today I was watching because on my YouTube suggested like recommended plays I often get the Sky Sports Retro pops up and they do a good job with that where they just you know put a random video and it was after some United win it was Sir Alex Ferguson speaking after United win and he was talking about the youngsters coming through and now in amongst those youngsters, it was when De Gea had just started playing for United. So it was, he was impressed with De Gea's performance, but then he also really impressed with Phil Jones, who he said had the potential to be the best young player they'd ever had, which obviously has Wise not words. come true. Completely but I did like, I did like, I did like the comment, the, the top comment on the video was, uh, well, Ferguson was obviously right. Just look at the stats. And then the stat was goals scored against De Gea. And it was messy too. Phil Jones three. <laughs> Wasn't there some crazy stat that Solskjaer's opening games at Man U have actually been, what is it, his first hundred games have actually yeah, been better been... than Ferguson's record? That's a little bit tough though, right? Because when Ferguson took over United, they were not united as we now think of them, right? Yeah, of course. Um, it's crazy to me to think that Solskjaer has been there for a hundred games. 
that's the bit. It, he still, in my mind, almost feels like a relatively new manager. He still so feels like thing. a caretaker for me because there's always yeah. that cloud over him about like, as soon as they go on like two or three losses, everyone's like, okay, well, we made a we made a mistake bringing him on. Then he goes and usually beats PSG. <laughs> They're going to start setting up friendlies at some point, <laughs> just so man, you can beat PSG in the interim. But then everyone's like, oh, faith restored kind of thing. And then they just go back to the repeated problems that plagued the team. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to me, that's probably the, the biggest indicator of what his status is as manager, is that I think a lot of people probably still think of him as interim. And that's probably the sign that they need to bring someone else in because he just no, wait, has, doesn't have Pochettino, that authority. Right? It's, it's Pochettino. You think so. Yeah. The only thing that saves Solskjaer, and I don't mean this in a way that, I, that this is their goal, but because he has so many ex-teammates who clearly like him in the media, that even though they are critical of him, they are certainly not as critical of him as they might be of other people. And I think that that saves him a little bit because almost every program you watch, every post-match breakdown, everything, you've either got Gary Neville there or Roy Keane there or occasionally Paul Scholes or whoever it is, uh, Rio Ferdinand, someone. And I think it just saves him a little bit that you've there's people there who like him uh, really saying things about him. Yeah. So, I mean, this Man City-Liverpool game, it's... I, I actually, I guess we'll go on to our bets of the week soon, but Liverpool, um, I would like to take Liverpool away win, but obviously thinking money-wise, like double chance Liverpool draw, I think is great value here because, like I said, there's something there's something not right with Man City at the moment. Um, defensively, look a bit odd, but also the things that have made them fire so well recently in terms of like their attacking lineup aren't firing either. And when you compare it with Liverpool, like if we just ignore the anomaly of that Villa game, they still have the fundamental components that are making them look good as they were last year. So really good fullbacks, um, the top three, look really good, but Diego Jota looks like an incredible signing, so much so that you'd almost semi-consider Firmino's position um, with him now. But I just think that Liverpool still have the components, even if they're a little bit worse with like without Van Dijk, they still have all the components that made them so good last year, whereas I'm just not sure about City at the moment. Like, I'm... <sighs> I can't see City winning this, which is a really strange one to say, but it's not going to be one of those games where the home ground can get fired up. Liverpool are going to be able to play their own game and we'll obviously go on to bets of the week, but the Liverpool double chance at the moment is four to five, or you can take them for winning at about 11 to five. I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet against anyone that wants to take them at 11 to five, but I think four to five for two of three of the opportunities is a real, a good bet here. Don't know what you think. I think the logic behind everything that you've just said is very sound. But then I just have an inkling that City are going to win. So, and there's no there's no real reason to that apart from the fact that I think that Liverpool are really going to miss Van Dijk, and I think with the movement that City have up front, um, it's going to be difficult for them. And obviously they are firing on all cylinders going forward. But I think this is going to be the first time that they really face a serious defensive test since Van Dyke has been out. And so until I see that they can stand up to that kind of opposition without Van Dyke, 
I am not willing to bet on them to pick up a result. So yeah. for that reason, I'm going to stick with City. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to bet on the game. I'm going to stay away from it. But it will be a very enjoyable match to watch, that's for sure. I mean, the safe bet is probably over 1.5 goals, over 2.5 goals. That kind of seems like fairly certain because both of these teams, I mean, not recently really City apart from in Europe, but both of these teams can score goals for fun and might have some defensive frailties. Uh, yeah. So, so uh, yeah, that would probably... for fun as well, basically. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but we'll have to see. But I, a match I'm really looking forward to. It is, it's going to be good, but I, I looked at the table and the, the reason I would actually go with what you're saying is, you know, I can, I can wheel off all these positions about like Liverpool looking like this, but ultimately if Man City don't win this, they're already nine points behind Liverpool. So it's one of those games where like Man City actually have to do something very early on, not to save their season, but very much to keep any sort of shred of comeback possible going. And, um, so that's that's one reason why I'd be a little bit worried about Man City is ultimately because they have to step up now so soon. Um, I think this game matters more for City than it does for Liverpool, which is odd because obviously they're both title chasing teams. But I think at this, even at this early stage, not losing matters more for Liverpool, if that makes sense. Like City have to win this game, in my opinion. So. I think I think it definitely matters more for City. A because they're obviously they're behind, so you don't want that gap to grow. But B, I think they need to convince themselves that they can beat this Liverpool team. And I think for their confidence, if they lose this, if they lose to a Van Dyckless Liverpool, I think mentally after losing the title by so much last season, it will be difficult for them to get themselves in a sort of mental state where they are confident that they are going to close the gap on Liverpool and be able to beat them next time round and kind of do all those things. So I think from that perspective, just how they feel going forward, it's very important. But in that sense, then, doesn't that scare you a little that they might kind of pull that city move where they press too much and too hard and try and force things instead of just letting it come naturally? And then before you know it, it's the 75th minute and you know they haven't put one in yet it's possible yeah yeah and and look i would love to know who will be starting up front for them because <laughs> obviously you've got you have to assume that gabriel jesus isn't fit enough to start i know he played sort of 10 15 minutes uh against olympiacos right um but it's that would be a one thing I'd like to know um, because if it is just some combination of tiny midfielders making up their front three, I won't feel quite as confident about their chances, but, uh, but no, I think you just have to back them that they'll get the job done when they need to, even if recent history shows that isn't the case. Speaking of better the week, should we, should we write them down? What have you guys got for me? Well, first I think I need to give you, the breakdown of where you stand so you know how much you can afford to bet we, we all lost. Just skip it and just <laughs> we all lost this weekend so um i was killed i went rolled my positive uh, sum on the bills and the titans obviously the titans just like in real life massively let me down 
Um, so I'm right back to where I started from. I'm back at a hundred thousand. Uh, Sam, you had the bills minus four. That was a loser. You had a Steelers game under 46.5. So you lost your 10,000 and Frank, you had two bets of the week, both for 20,000 and neither one of them came close to winning. You had Pulisic to score in time. <laughs> he didn't play. The, 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 <laughs> the Pulisic-Sancho thing is the is one of the... The thing is, I don't actually mind the anytime bet as much as Eddie hates it, but it is the worst reason why you wouldn't want it is because obviously Pulisic, you injured with your curse, but then it's Which just like it Sancho gets subbed out. Sancho just gets subbed out and that's it. You've lost half of what was it? Subbed off like fiftieth minute, fifty fifth. No, seventy yeah, fifth. Oh, seventy fifth. Seventy fifth. He got a fair. Yeah, it was he got a fair. <laughs> but, but, he had chances too. He had two good chances. Well, I then you should have won. We'll, we'll put it as the semi winner then. And then your other bet: nice. Eagles, Saints, Titans, Bills, Packers. So a, a fivefold of with two, two losers is not Oof. a great look. So. Sam, you're down to 70,000. Frank, you're down to 60,000. So you are getting in a territory where you need to start picking some all winners. In, all in so today. Perfect. On, those, on that ground, let's hear your winner, Frank. I'm down to 60,000? Yeah. Okay. I've got two. Oh, Brilliant. Brilliant. How complicated is this going to be? Them. <laughs> I want 20,000 on each. First one. Texans. With the spread against the Jaguars. That's what is it. the current spread? Seven points. Seven. Give it to me. Okay, so that's 20 to 21. Okay. My next, my other bet is Breeders' Cup. Uh, Breeders' Cup weekend this weekend. So it's a pretty, it's like the last hurrah, I guess, for flat racing. Friday. The Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint. Golden Powell is the favorite. He's seven to four right now on Eddie's Ladbrokes. So I'll stick with that at seven to four. For those who don't remember, he was the one who got nipped at the line by the Learjet and Ascot. It was Wesley Ward's supposed best horse of the weekend to win. He ended up winning with Campanelle later in the week, but he was really high on Golden Powell, got nipped at the line then came back to the States, ran a really nice race to follow that up. And I think this, this is just a lock right here. And I'm surprised it's not lower than seven to four. I'm surprised it's not even because there is not much of another horse in that race that has the type of credentials that he has with a second in Royal Ascot. So are you locking the seven to four or do you want to go to SP? I'll lock the seven to four. Interesting, right? We didn't really preview the Breeders' Cup at all. Um, personally, I'm going to stay away from it because I, I do find it tough to always know. A little bit like when we talked about Champions Weekend at Ascot, it's it kind of falls into that similar territory for me, where particularly with the foreign horses more than the American horses, I'm just not really sure what condition they're in and how much they would have been. This would have been a real goal or if it's just sort of end of the season, let's roll the dice and see if we can pick up a nice prize. And worst case scenario, it doesn't. It, it almost doesn't hurt the reputation of a horse to lose a Breeders' Cup race, for yeah. that very fact. Yeah. My and then, the, so, so oh, real sorry. quick, I just want to say one more thing. Um, so Saturday is the main card for for Breeders' Cup, and that's where 
um, most of the older horses race, but Friday they've now claimed as like the juvenile day, like the young guns day. So the other big horse that's racing that day is Battleground. And Battleground is probably one of my favorite horses this year out of found uh, Aiden O'Brien horse. You have Ryan Moore on board, so a guaranteed winner. And that's five to one. I'm not going to put that as my bet of the week only because it's got a lot of other decent horses in there with a, with a live shot, but five to one on a horse that I think is favorite right now for the 2000 guineas is not a bad odd to take. So you're not but again, is it, you're not going to go again, all in. It, You've only got 20 K left. No, I'm not going to go all in. No, that'll be next week. <laughs> that'll be next <laughs> week. <laughs> all right, Eddie, you want to put your bet up? Yeah, I'm going to ask, am I allowed to include the Thursday night game in my bet of the week, even though no. our listeners cannot take advantage of it? No, absolutely not. No. Wow. Harsh. No, because I had that Europa bet and you wouldn't let me put that in. Well, that's because it was finished. <laughs> and you know what? It yeah. won, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, actually, I had like 32 of the games tonight. Yeah, okay. In the Europa League. All right, so, so I'm not allowed to put the Thursday night game in. Nope, no. Okay, so let me, shall I shall You can I put mine? next week's yeah. Thursday night game in. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right, you, you go then while I right. reshuffle my bet of the week then, Sam. Okay, so um, I'm just doing a little double. So I already mentioned it, that I really like the Liverpool draw double chance, which is um, four to five at the moment. So I'm taking that and I'm going to combine it with the Cardinals against the spread. So the four and a half and it pays... 2.63 to 1. 2.43 to 1, sorry. So I am going to put 20 grand on it. I think this is the first time I've not taken just a little 10 k So I'm taking 20 grand on it. Put me right back over to 100. And we didn't, you're right, Eddie, we didn't mention the Breeders' Cup. We did mention our losses, but we didn't mention that I did say I liked the O'Brien, Joseph O'Brien horses in the Melbourne Cup, and he did have another Melbourne Cup winner at 20 to one. He also had one yeah. die. Well, he didn't, no, he, he didn't have did. one die. <laughs> the other, while Eddie's still looking for his bet, the other Breeders' Cup pick that I really like is actually the Turf Classic on Saturday. And you have the wonderfully magical heads the market. But I'm going to go against Magical, and I'm going to go for the horse that had screwed me all year and is now back to redeem itself in Mogul. Mogul is a 10 to 3, like third favorite right now. Uh, I think it's pretty decent value for a horse that looked really good in the lead up to the arc and unfortunately couldn't race in the arc. I think it would have had a decent shot um, to at least place. And Magical at this distance is not very good. I think she's one for five or one for six at uh, one meter four. So she's raced in this before and lost to Enable. Um, and I think Mogul's going to nap her at the line. So I'm going to go Mogul in that race as well. I won't put it up as my bet of the week, but that's the one I like for Saturday. What are you thinking about Tis the Law in the... Um... In, the in the Breeders' Cup Classic? Yeah, is he going to... Um, like that get back from the disappointment it's a really good race because the top four you have improbable tis the law maximum security and authentic there's a lot of good form between them so for instance improbable beat maximum security and then authentic beat tis the law 
But then I believe improbable. No, yeah, improbable beat maximum security, and then authentic beat tis the law, and then authentic lost to Swiss skydiver, um, who was in the race before. So like, it's really close up top. I don't know who would win that. I think improbable from what I've heard because I don't watch the Americans as much, but from what they're saying, because maximum security and improbable and authentic, authentic are all Bob Baffert's, and Baffert said his best chance is improbable. So I think you kind of have to listen to the trainer who has three out of the four favorites, you know, but yeah, you're right. Tis the law could come back, but it didn't look that great in the last race where it lost to authentic when it was a pretty strong favorite. Yeah, it was awesome, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Lost by over length too. So. All right. I have figured out my replacement. Oh, Eddie's back. Please. I mean, you know, I got to reshuffle things. I don't want to just throw something in without having put some thought into it. I know, I know how much the listeners need my tips, and that you know puts food on their table. So, my <laughs> my bet of the week is going to be a fourfold NFL, pretty straightforward accumulator, um, which is going to be the Chiefs to win, the Steelers to win, and the Patriots to win. And the fourth team, see, I would have loved to have just thrown the Packers in there, and I would have been said that was just an incredibly good bet, and I would have been so, so happy if you would have allowed me to do that. But seeing as I am not allowed to do that, the fourth team that I have decided I'm going to put in there, Tennessee Titans. <laughs> I'm going to do it to myself oh, again. <laughs> oh, my God, what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. And that, 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 that returns 1.26. Oh, all that for one point two. All that just a shit. What's that like? Thirteen to ten. It's just four games. You're you're just, just sitting. You're games. just sitting. I know what you're doing. You're just sitting on your higher amount of money and just trying to like get that little bit of value up every time, knowing that Frank and I could be bust in two weeks. Well, maybe not you, but Frank. Frank is bleeding out, bleeding, bleeding, bleeding out, and bleeding out at a rapid rate. So yes, I'm. I'm not concerned about Frank beating me in this particular contest. So wait, fifty G's. Now I'm. I'm going to be sensible. Fifteen thousand. Jesus, what a wimp! I know. What pathetic. a wimpy bet and a seen, wimpy wager. I've never seen more pathetic gambling in my life. <laughs> Well, do you know that the thing that would have been a bit bolder that I was tempted to take, and we do not really talk about college football, even though I know Frank would love to. I was tempted to take Notre Dame to beat Clemson on Saturday, but I decided that's risky. I decided it was too risky. But you want my? Should I throw in a Breeders' Cup pick just to make you satisfied? Yeah. What do you got, Breeders' Cup? I will say before you give us the pick in the Breeders' Cup sprint towards the end of Saturday, there is a horse called Frank's Rocket that's racing and it's 10 to 1, won its last four races over this distance almost too. I think they're all almost over six furlong. So there is no chance in hell I'm not throwing some money on Frank's Rocket in the Breeders' Cup sprint. All right. I'm going to take, give you an each way tip for the Breeders' Cup as my selection and that is going to be for the breeders cup mile and my tip is going to be safe voyage currently trading at around 10 to 1 so 
I think that's a solid, you'll still get nice value at each way. You'll still make a bit of money, even if it just places. So that would be mine. Uh, Part of me, my heart wants to say Siskin in that race. Yeah, but, I saw Siskin as well. But I think Siskin, Siskin is... Is that, is that still racing? Is that still horse? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think Siskin officially has evolved or devolved from a horse into a donkey. So I um, <laughs> I cannot... I thought you were going to say Circus Maximus in that one. As you're each way at 12 to 1. Not bad, actually, because as we always say, or at least as I always say, limited horse, but it does run its race. So you do know it will be there or thereabouts at the finish. Kamiko actually looks like a really good bet. I was just looking at the, the draw bias, and apparently low draw really matters uh, for uh, uh, kind of Keeneland and for the mile as well. So uh, the fact that Kamiko is drawn at two um, probably matters. So it seems like pretty good value. I mean, this is a pretty good race, actually, because you have um, Uni, who won this last year. So you have the defending champ, who's second favorite. You have Kamiko, who's favorite, who is coming off a win in group two, but still a win, um, back down to a mile. So I think it'll be pretty good. And I would say if I had to pick a, pick a winner in the Breeders' Cup turf, I know that you opted for Mogul and discussed Magical. But I would actually take uh, Weld's horse, Tarnawa or Tarnawa, at uh, between three to one and four to one, depending on where you're looking. I think there's more value there, and it, particularly if it got to four to one, if you can get it at four to one, I would take it each way. All right. So with that, we'll end it there and see what these bets look like, and see how much I'll be up on all of you in our uh, bet of the week. So talk to you later, boys. See ya. Here we are.